and we are on air for Fan for Racing Radio. And tonight we have our Indianapolis NASCAR Weekend Preview and our Hot Topic Sound Off at 10 p.m. <clears throat> Joining me for our show tonight is our co-host, and that is Jay Huseman. Welcome to the show, Jay. Thank you, Sharon. I heard you talking about previewing some of the races we got coming this weekend. We're talking about an entire city, Indianapolis. So excited mm-hmm. about that. Yeah, me too, because uh, we've got some racing at IRP again, now called Lucas Oil, Indianapolis Raceway Park. And uh, But we're going to start off with some short track news and upcoming races. We'll also preview the Arkham Menard series. That includes the shoes. Chief Showdown Series at Lucas Oil Indianapolis Raceway Park, along with some updates from the ARCA East and West Series. At 9 o'clock, we have some uh, pre-race audio from NASCAR Cup Series points leader Chase Elliott. He's the driver of the number 9 Hendrick Motorsports Chevrolet. And after that, we'll preview the NASCAR Truck Series at Lucas Oil Indianapolis Raceway Park. Uh, at 9 30, we'll start our NASCAR Xfinity and Cup Series preview at Indianapolis Motor Speedway's road course. So that's going to be exciting as well. And, of course, at 10 o'clock is our Hot Topic Sound Off discussion with our fan for racing crew. So uh, we've got a, a full house tonight, uh, three people on our uh, show again. So I'm happy about that. And uh we will uh, definitely have plenty to talk about. All right, let's go ahead and start with some uh, short track racing news. Uh, there's quite a bit of racing going on uh, this week at, uh, at the short tracks, uh, and some of those short tracks, I'm sure, are in your neck of the woods, wherever you live. So uh, one of the things that's coming up, though, is uh, there's going to be the North Wilkes racetrack revival uh and you'll be able to watch that a uh, lot of late model racing taking place there and you can watch that at racing america so that's kind of cool a lot of people have been wanting north wilkes uh to start racing again and now they're doing it yeah they they say sometimes your uh, your dreams and your prayers come true this one definitely has been answered for a race fan nascar fan all of the above I know we don't have a NASCAR race scheduled there as of yet, but uh, this is the first step, and it's a it's a big one. Yeah, and you know Dale Earnhardt Jr. is hoping to race at North Wilkesboro too. So uh, there's an article about that at uh, Racing America, and you can learn about uh, what Dale Jr. has to say. I think he's a big advocate of Wilkesboro, North Wilkesboro. He is not. He he is not just from the history aspect of it. Uh, I know he does a lot on what the um, I believe the uh, TV show is called Lost uh, Lost Racetracks or something to that effect. I don't remember the name exactly there. Um, but but talking about some of these racetracks that have gone by the wayside and this one being revitalized. You're right. I think he has been a big component of it, which I think is what has helped gather steam for it. I mean, anytime Dale Earnhardt Jr.'s name is attached to anything, it's going to get headlines. Oh, okay. Uh, You're absolutely correct about that. Um, The racetrack revival actually begins August 2nd to the 3rd 
Uh, they're going to start with the Touring Modifieds headlining the action on Tuesday and Wednesday, and then they'll be joined by the Mini Stocks and the Carolina Crate Modified Series. Uh, and uh, after a week uh, week off, uh, the revival picks back up on Friday and Saturday, August 12th and 13th, with the Super Late Model re- Racing, co-sanctioned by ARCA CRA Super Series and the Southern Super Series, and they'll be joined by the Bores uh, Compact Touring Series and the Super Cup Stock Car Series. So a lot of racing. Uh, the following weekend, Friday and Saturday, August 19th and 20th, will feature the Pro Late Models from the Cars Tour and the JEG CRA All-Stars Tour, as well as the Carolina Pro Late Model Series. So uh, the Cars Tour is going to return with its late model stock cars on Tuesday and Wednesday. That's August 30th and 31st, including Dale Earnhardt Jr.'s return to the late model competition. They'll be joined by street stocks and limited late models to close out the pavement portion of the racetrack revival. But uh, keep in mind, in the month of October, dirt racing will invade North Wilkesboro Speedway during the second portion of the racetrack revival. So uh, we'll have more on that as we get closer to October. Uh, But a lot of racing, a whole month of racing uh, at North Wilkesboro in the month of August. And you have your range. Uh, You talked about all the different classes going from four cylinders up to the, the late models and everything in between, the modified, uh, the street stocks. So you got your entire range of classes that are going to be there. And you mentioned it. That's just what's running on the asphalt. Then as we get into October and they, they tear the track up to repave it, they're going to go ahead and run some dirt, which I just think was a, a genius idea. Uh, you know, That's one of those we talk about several just mind-blowing uh, historic moments to do this and have both of them as they get ready to remodel North Wilkesboro, I think was an absolute genius move for all race fans and, and North Wilkesboro, uh, the beneficiary of it. Mm, absolutely. Now, if fans want to get tickets uh, for any of these races, uh, they have Racetrack Revival. Uh, tickets are available at racetrackrevival.com. For fans planning to uh, make the trip out to North Wilkesboro Speedway for the event, uh, including discount tickets, are only available until July 31st. However, uh, we understand most fans won't be able to attend all the racing throughout the month of August in person, but uh, you can see, uh, you know, for whatever you can take part in, uh, you want to try to get those tickets, and if you can get them at a discount, that's even better. Certainly it makes me wish uh, I lived a little bit closer to the Carolinas there. It's about eight hours from me. I know that's a little closer than you are, Sharon. So, <laughs> But uh, I, I certainly wish I could be. If not, you know you can follow it on. I know Racing America is going to be covering some of it uh, on their streaming service. I don't know about yeah. flow racing. Well, through a partnership with XR Events and Racing America, fans are going to be able to attend the racetrack we who are unable to attend the racetrack revival will be able to watch each day of racing live on Racing America VN and a la carte pay-per-view options. So it's a little bit different than what they normally offer. Uh, it's a pay-per-view option uh, for race fans that want to take advantage of watching that racing. And I think a lot of fans are going to be paying that extra 
uh, money to watch Dale Jr. race at North Wilkesboro. One, one would expect that one would probably be at the top of the list, you're right. Uh, but there's fans of each class. Uh, I know when it comes to that, that like the Modifieds, the Street Stocks, and several of the touring series that are going to be in there. Like I said, this is just a huge win overall, all in an effort to revitalize North Wilkesboro Speedway. Where it goes in the future, we'll have to see. But this is such a huge first step in at least getting it back on the map, if you will. Absolutely. Absolutely. So uh, a lot to look forward to with uh, North Wilkesboro coming up here in the month of August. Um, Let's see. What else can we talk about here? Jay, anything else that you want to make sure we mention? Well, you mentioned, as always, search around. You definitely, uh, right now, just looking at uh, Racing America, find a racetrack near you. But uh, I know there's an article up on Racing America with the first look at the 2022 Kawiki DDP point standings. Uh, I know we've talked about that, and I think we've had two, maybe three of the the guest uh, contenders Uh as guests on the show is what I was trying to say. Uh, and it starts with Dylan Zampa as the early leader for the Kawiki Cup. Yeah, that's been pretty cool. I've been watching that on, um, on uh, what do you call it, Twitter. Uh, he's been talking about uh, how much fun it's been racing uh, with uh, the Dylan, or Dylan, um, Alan Kawiki uh, uh, racing development program, and he's one of the people that have been part of that program now for a couple of years. Uh, for him to be leading it now is is really exciting to watch. And it, it's great. This is again is is your first introduction for a lot of these drivers on a national level, at least, um, to start being talked about. And and I think there's several that give it three to five, ten years down the road. We're going to be talking about a lot when it comes to national level uh, series. So this is where you get your first glimpse of them. It's one of those, that's what it was designed to do, was to get them some highlights uh, and make them known. And as we go down the list, you got Dylan Zampa, who is in the lead, but you also got Jackson Boone, Evan Shoko, Jacob Nodestead, and Hayden Plybon, uh, if I'm pronouncing that one right, as your top five um, that have been really competitive. Let me see here where it says positions three through five. Uh, closing in on the leaders, Evan Shoko, Jacob Nodston, and Hayden Plybon have all won races since the June 30th reporting period ended. So that's, again, they're closing in on the, on those leaders. Yes, they are. So uh, that's going to be fun to continue to watch. And uh, anybody who can do that, uh, make sure you get your tickets now because uh, there's a lot of conversation about those races, and uh, you don't want to miss out if you've got a chance to watch in your neck of the woods. Okay. Uh, also, over at Flow Racing, they have a long list of racing that's taking place over there this week that you can watch. A lot of the weekly touring series, uh, the Advanced uh, Auto Parts weekly touring series for NASCAR. Uh, I see one at Stafford on the 29th. Uh, there's also um, uh, Autodrome Grand Prix on the 29th, Utica Rome. I'm just doing the weekly racing Marshalltown on the 29th, uh, weekly racing at Ocean on the 29th, 
let's see, weekly racing at Jennerstown, at Atomic, Fonda, Berlin, Langley, uh, 34 Raceway, uh, Port City Raceway, weekly racing at Lincoln, uh, they've got the NASCAR weekly racing at Bowman Gray, at Lacrosse, and at Evergreen, as well as Dirt Devil's Bowl. Uh, so a lot of NASCAR's advanced auto parts weekly racing available over at Flow Racing, so you'll definitely want to check that out. But they've also got the sprints uh, that are racing this weekend as well, and uh, you can watch a lot of that over at uh Flow racing as well. You, you talk about it, it not just uh, for live feeds, but also some uh, past races. Whatever you're looking for, if you can't have it or can't find it on Flow Racing, it's probably not happening because they cover so much. And I was trying to remember whose tweet I saw about that. Of on a Wednesday night, they had three or four different races that they were wanting to watch uh, on a Wednesday night. <laughs> I know. Uh, it's, so if there's no lack of racing available for anybody who is a race fan, and a lot of times, of course, you want to be at the track, but if you're not able to be at the track, you can sit in the comfort of your own home and watch these races at any time once you become a subscriber. So uh, you can watch it as the race is happening, or you can watch it on demand. So uh, it's well worth the money uh, to subscribe to Flow Racing or Racing America uh, to be able to take advantage of watching uh, grassroots racing at its best. And I know we've talked about this in the past uh, several times on Hot Topics, uh, which we got coming up later tonight, but that's one of those of the evolution of the sport. I know we talk about it when it comes to NASCAR and how they're going to handle that going forward with the TV package deal, but this opportunity right now that you have, uh, again, you can't say you missed it because there is capability to see it and watch it. Yeah, absolutely. All right, now we're going to move over to the, um, what do you call it, the Arkham Menard Series. They are racing this weekend at Lucas Oil Indianapolis Raceway Park. And we have some news and notes here sent to us from uh, ARCA Racing. So we'll kind of go over that first. I'm, I'm going through my notes here. I know I've got it. I just have to get to it. And I sent it for you, Jay. Did you get that? Yeah, I'm doing the same thing, pulling up to where where you had sent it. There we go. Okay, I got it up. I do have one question while you're doing that. I, I got to ask, do you have a little cheat card, a note card there? Lucas Oil Indianapolis Raceway Park. <laughs> I know I've, been, I I've know. been listening to you. I know I know you're walking through it like word by word. I was just wondering if you had it on a note card there because I certainly do because uh, that, that's one we got to work on. <laughs> I know, isn't it amazing? Uh, we've, it, it's been a while since we've uh, had to say uh, that big of a mouthful, uh, but it is. Uh, I'm, I'm so used to IRP, uh, just Indianapolis Raceway Park. So uh, I'm, I'm consciously remembering to say Lucas Oil here. Okay, we can go yeah. two by two here if you want to start, Jay. I'm sorry, you had something else you wanted to say. I was going to say, actually, I still struggle with, I tried to go back to ORP of O'Reilly Raceway Park, 
Because oh, as yeah. I was growing up, that's what that's what it was for me. I'd make the change back to just IRP, and now it's changing again. So yeah, I'm having to do the same thing. Okay. All right, let's go ahead and go two by two on our notes here for uh, the Arkham and Art series. And keep in mind, this is also a Sioux Chief Showdown event. It's the sixth race out of ten for the Sioux Chief Showdown. Yeah, we got a lot of things we can cover here. Uh, the Reese's 200 uh, will open the second half of the 2022 Arkham and Art series season. It's the 11th race of the year and the 17th time, 17th time that the series has visited Lucas Oil Raceway Park. Now, right now, Raja Karuth is leading the Arkham Menard Series championship standings heading into this Reese's 200. He's got a three-point advantage over his rev racing teammate, Nick Sanchez, and then a nine-point advantage over third-place Daniel Dye. And that's kind of been the story all season as they've been really close in points. They have been. Uh, but one thing to keep in mind is Caruth is still looking for his first career series victory, while Sanchez is a three-time winner, and he's already won twice this year. Now, Dye scored his first career series win in 2021 at Berlin Raceway, but he's looking for his first win still for 2022. So uh, keep an eye on that this weekend. Uh, also, reigning series champion, uh, Ty Gibbs set the qualifying record at Lucas Oil Indianapolis Raceway Park in 2019 when he ran a lap at 21.820 seconds or 113.181 miles per hour. So we'll see if anybody can beat that record this weekend. Well, we're going to talk about some other names that you might be familiar with from some of the top levels. And again, this is a great stepping stone for these drivers as it's Brandon Jones who holds the 200-lap track record at Lucas Oil Indianapolis Raceway Park, and that was set back in 2014. He covered the entire race distance in 93 minutes, 12 seconds, which put him in an average speed of 88.326 miles per hour. Now, former General Tire Polo Award winners at Lucas Oil Raceway Park, Indianapolis Raceway Park, I missed one of the words, uh, <laughs> They include Ramo Stott, Larry Moore, Lee Raymond, Brett Bodine, Bob Shack, Ty Dillon, Matt Crafton, mentioned Brandon Jones, Kyle Weatherman, Parker Kligerman, Austin Sindrick, Christian Eckes, and then Ty Gibbs is the only two-time pole winner. Yeah, that's a clear indication of how a lot of drivers from the Arkham and Art Series end up in one of NASCAR's top three series at some point. Now, former Arkham and Art Series race winners at Lucas Oil Indianapolis Raceway Park include uh, Ramo Scott, Ralph Latham, Bruce Gould, Marvin Smith, Bob Schott, uh, Davey Allison, Frank Kimmel, Brandon Jones, Travis Braden, Chase Briscoe, Dalton Sargent, Christian Eckes, Chandler Smith, and Schott in 1984 and 85, and Smith in 2019 and 2020 are the only two-time winners at that track. So uh, that's kind of cool. Alice's 1985 victory came in a combined race in what is now the NASCAR Xfinity Series. The Arkham Menard Series cars were considerably heavy, heavier and therefore slower. Allison was the highest-finishing ARCA driver in the race, but per the event rules, he's credited with an ARCA victory. 
uh, Jimmy Hensley took the checkered flag first in his NASCAR Xfinity Series ride. So kind of cool to see the Xfinity and the uh, uh, Arkham Menard Series having a twin event. This weekend it's going to be the Truck Series and the Arkham Menard Series. Well, and that's kind of a, of a crossover of to what we see now with the Sioux Chief Showdown and Arkham Menard Series East and West combo events. So when we take a look at that, you mentioned it already, the Reese's 200 is also the sixth round of the 2020, 2022 Sioux Chief Showdown. we got defending Arkham Menard Series East champion Sammy Smith with wins in two of the last three showdown races coming from uh, Berlin Raceway and Elko Speedway and leads the points by 18 points over Taylor Gray, Jesse Love, and the two-time defending Arkham Menard Series, uh, or Jesse Love, who is the two-time defending Arkham Menard Series West champion. Uh, and he's third, just one point behind Gray. Now, three drivers. Now, three oh. oh, I'm sorry. Was that my second one? Yeah, <laughs> I think. Okay. No, you're right. You're right. That was just a long one, I guess. Okay, uh, three drivers are making their Arkham and Ard Series debut here in the Reese's 200. We have Dylan Smith, Mandy Chick, and Dylan Fetcho. And I know there's an article up on Arkham and Ard Series homepage on um, Mandy Chick, if you want to check that out. There's also an article over there about Dylan. A lot of people know him as Mamba Smith. <laughs> Uh, and uh, he's racing this weekend as well. Uh, I heard his interview on Sirius XM today, and uh, it's really cool to see him uh, uh, out there on the track. Uh, he's a PR rep for a lot of some of the drivers in the Arkham and Art Series, and now uh, we're going to see him behind the wheel, so very cool to see that. Now, many of the Arkham Art Series drivers, along with drivers from the Camping World Truck Series and the USAC Silver Crown Division, will start the race event weekend by participating in the Reese's Celebrity Pro-Am Golf Cart Challenge at the Speedway uh, Indoor Karting. It's located at 1067 North Main Street in Speedway, Indiana, and proceeds from the night will benefit Pause and Think a local dog training charity. The event on Thursday night runs from 8 to 10 p.m. Eastern Time. So that's taking place right now uh, in just a few minutes as we speak here. So uh, definitely, actually, it's taking place right now. So uh, a lot uh, for these guys to look forward to in that event. Uh, The Reese's 200 is going to be televised on Fox Sports 1 at 6 p.m. Eastern Time uh, this Friday, July the 29th. The race is also going to be broadcast live on select affiliates of the MRN, Sirius MRN Radio Network nationwide. So that's kind of cool that they're uh, broadcasting nationwide on this as well. So... um, yeah, for fans uh, that may not be able to do it either of those ways, there's usually a radio broadcast that's available over at ArcaRacing.com as well. Again, there's always numerous ways you can get the racing action. Got to appreciate Fox One, uh, Fox Sports One showing the race, and then as well as the radio coverage, as you mentioned, with MRN Radio. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, do you want to cover the points for the Arkham Menard series? All right. Uh, let me pull up the points. 
and the Sioux Chief Showdown we'll do right after that. All right, so for the main Arkham, whoops, hold on a second, I clicked on the East standings. For the main Arkham Menard series standings, I know we already talked about our three points leaders uh, in Raja Caruth, Nick Sanchez, and uh, Daniel Dye. A blank there. Daniel Dye, there we go. So when we look at that, you mentioned Raja Caruth, not with the win yet, but eight out of the 10 races, again, we're halfway through the season, have been top 10s. So he has a three-point advantage over Nick Sanchez, who do, does have two victories, but only seven top tens. And then Daniel Dye, nine points back, another one with five top fives and eight top tens with one pole. But then we get back a little bit. It's 64 points back to third or fourth place, Tony, Tony Breidinger, uh, four of the races in the top ten. Half in the top ten is Greg Van Alst, uh, a fairly regular guest here at Fan for Racing. He's got one top five and five of those uh, ten races being top ten finishes. He is 72 points back. And then Amber Balkane and Brad Smith in sixth and seventh at 88 points and 136 points back. Those are your seven drivers now that have competed in all ten of the Arkham Menard Series races so far this year. Uh, Sammy Smith running part-time. Two victories in his six starts, all, or I'm sorry, five of the six being top fives, puts him in eighth place. Taylor Gray, another one running part-time, will be in the car this weekend. Three victories uh, in those six races, so that's half. Five of the six, top five finishes. And then tenth is Jesse Love, another one with six starts and three top fives and four top tens. So a little bit mixture in the back half. It's really right now, those top three, I can't even express how much they've changed uh, positions and gotten closer, but it's still only a nine-point difference between them halfway through this season. Absolutely, and keep in mind, these drivers that have run only the six races, those are drivers that are competing for the Sioux Chief Showdown uh, series points. So five of those races have been Sioux Chief Showdown races. The sixth race, again, is this weekend at uh, Indianapolis Raceway Park for Lucas Oil, Indianapolis Raceway Park. What are the points there, Jay? Do you have that Let's up? See, yeah, trying to pull those up, see if this one from Arkham and Arch page is updated now. I've got it if if you want me to go ahead and cover okay. it. Yeah, this this link, I don't know for what whatever reason. Uh, no, here we go. Uh, Sammy Smith, as yeah. your points leader, Sharon mentioned, 210 points. Uh, Taylor Gray in second at 192, an 18-point difference. Then one point behind Taylor Gray, Jesse Love. Now fourth is Raja Kruth at 183 points, which is only eight more points back. Two points back to Daniel Dye. And Nick Sanchez at 178 is in the sixth position. Seventh is Tony Bradinger. Eighth is Greg Van Alst. Amber Balkane in ninth. And then Brad Smith in tenth. So you see that there are a lot of the same names, but a little bit different order based on the select six races that are the joint races of the Sioux Chief Showdown. Yeah, there's only five races so far in the books. Uh, the sixth race is going to be at Lucas Oil Indianapolis Raceway Park. And then their next races are at Watkins Glen, the Milwaukee Mile, DeCoin, and Bristol. Uh, will be their season finale for the Sioux Chief Showdown and determine who's going to be the champion of that series. 
So uh, the reason some of these guys aren't racing uh, all of the races in the um, uh, main Arkham Menard series is because they're not old enough for some of the larger tracks. Uh, so this gives them a chance to still compete uh, at the shorter tracks and uh, be able to compete for a championship. So it's pretty cool to be able to see uh, ARCA put this together and have this available for people who are that were more likely to see racing full-time in the ARCA Menard Series next season and as they come of age. Most certainly, and we've seen this with, uh, with several series in, in the past where drivers – uh, only get to compete, as you mentioned, on, on the shorter tracks. Uh, NASCAR does have an age limit on the bigger tracks. So, like you said, it's an opportunity to, for them to run specifically with these top guys at select tracks and still contend for that championship, and we see it. Sammy Smith leading the Sea Chief Showdown. Raja Karuth, your points leader in the main series, sitting in four spots. So I think it's pretty cool to have the two separate point standings like that. It is. Okay, just a reminder again, that race is tomorrow night at 6 p.m. Eastern Time. It will be televised on Fox Sports 1 and available on MRN and Sirius XM Channel 391 and online on 981, also at ARCARacing.com. This is a .686 mile oval. They'll be racing 200 laps. And on Friday, July 29th, the final practice will be 12.30 to 1.15 p.m., with qualifying starting at 2.15 p.m. Uh, again, the start of the race uh, for 200 laps, 137 miles, is 6 p.m. Eastern Time. All right, coming up next, we do have some pre-race audio uh, from a couple of, um, not a couple, but from our NASCAR Cup Series points leader, Chase Elliott. Uh, This is before they race at the road course at Indianapolis Motor Speedway. And, of course, Chase Elliott is kind of the favorite driver to win at that uh, Indianapolis uh, road course. But keep in mind, we've got some other drivers that have been good on road courses this year as well. But uh, it's going to be interesting to see what Chase Elliott has to say uh, before this race out in Indianapolis. The interview is about uh, a little more than 20 minutes long. We're not going to be able to play all of it. But we will play for you about uh, seven or eight minutes of it. And then uh, Jay and I will have some comments afterwards, okay? So here we go. Can you hear us? Yeah, I can hear you. Can you? Yeah, there you go. Yes, we have you. Perfect. Perfect. Thank you for joining us this morning. I know it's a little bit of a quick turnaround, but we really do appreciate you spending a little bit of time with us under these unique circumstances. So just to, for the better interest of, of the time that we have, I'm going to go ahead and roll straight into questions. And to kick us off today, we are going to go to Jeff Glove. Jeff, go ahead with your question for Chase. Case, uh, how does somebody find out that they've won a race after you've already left the track, and what was your reaction when you found out? Yeah, I, uh, I had my dad and I had already left, so we were flying home, and obviously didn't have any cell phone service. So, uh, yeah, when when we landed and and whatnot, um, I had a you know I had a couple messages um, kind of filled me out what was going on. So yeah, I was just surprised um, by that. You know, obviously something that. I don't really ever recall happening throughout um, the time that I've watched NASCAR, or at least in the 
Cup Series. I've certainly been uh, a part of um, some situations like this over the course of my my short track racing career. So I know it happens, um, you know, and it's not something that um, is a complete shock, I guess, in other types of racing, but certainly on the Cup side, it's not something that we're, we're accustomed to seeing. Um, so, yeah, it was probably more, just kind of more surprised by it than, than anything. Uh, and I don't, I don't think it's, I don't think any driver wants to win that way. Uh, I, I certainly don't. Um, but, you know, look, I, I don't know what went on. I had already left, you know, uh, finished third and, and, you know, was just trying to think about what we need to do to be better uh, on the way home, honestly. So, yeah, I was just, uh, just surprised by it. Thank you. Okay, our next question will go to Dustin Long. Go ahead, Dustin. Thank you, um, Chase. I'm just I'm just curious. You know, you say looking about things to do differently with winning the race. I'm guessing does that change or not really change how you look at at how yesterday went for you? Honestly, no. I mean, in, in my personal opinion, and, and at least the opinion of our team in the nine camp is, you know, we got beat uh, on track at least, and and from a balance perspective with our car, I feel like we could have been better. And and that's really where my my head was at yesterday when when I left, and that's really where my head is at today. So um, yeah, certainly a certainly a very unique situation. You know, again, as I as I as I said a second ago, not something that any of us are really accustomed to seeing. I suppose potentially a product of of this car and and uh, NASCAR. You know, trying to make sure. Everyone's um, kind of living within the guidelines that they set with this thing, I guess. Uh, but I don't look. I don't really know the details of what went on, and I don't really expect to get the details of, of what went on either. One other thing I want to ask you is, I want to get a sense of perspective. You made your Cup debut at 19, and while circumstances are vastly different than what Ty Gibbs, you know, experienced yesterday, making his Cup debut at 19. Can you give me a sense of perspective of and maybe uh, maybe you have a better appreciation than I can of him being able to almost finish top 15 at 19, making his first Cup start, please? Yeah, I uh, you know I I didn't get a chance to be around him much yesterday. I, I did have a chance to talk to him before the race, and um, I, I just told him like, man, you know, this is a there's a lot going on in the last 24 hours for you. You know, I I had time to kind of think about my first one and. Obviously, that, that didn't get me very far, but I did have some time to think about it. Um, you know, for, for his situation, obviously very unique and unfortunate. You know, first thing is, is I hope Kurt's okay and, and um, you know, we get him back in the car as quickly as possible. You know, enjoy racing with Kurt a lot. Um, but, yeah, you know, as far as Ty goes, after the race, uh, we were going home, and then I, I asked Dad how he did because uh, I, I was curious and, and – uh, you know, I, I think he's deserving. He's done a really good job on the Xfinity side, and, and uh, he told me he, he ran a really good race, you know, was really smart about his opportunity and, and uh, ran a really respectable event. So I'm not I'm not very surprised by that and watching him through his Xfinity racing. Uh, I think he's I think he's done a done a great job for his team and has uh, you know, put himself in position uh, in, in a lot of events. He's been very fast. He ran a really smart race yesterday and had a good result for himself and, and his team. Thank you. 
Okay, our next question is going to go to Bob Pockers. Go ahead, Bob. Yeah, Chase, with the possibility that JGR could appeal this and the chance that it could get overturned, I guess, on appeal, are you – is there any part of you that wants to wait before celebrating this win? Um, I mean, look, I don't know that it's really a win that I'm going to celebrate anyway. You know, I, I, you know, for me, I don't really feel right celebrating someone else's misfortune, number one. Uh, and you're right, number two, like, it could change by Thursday or Friday or whenever. So uh, the, the, way, the way I take it is, you know, look, I don't know, I don't know the details of, of what went on. I don't know, you know, what made them make that decision. Um, you know, like I said, it's not necessarily something I'm, I'm proud of or something I'm going to boast about, um, you know, throughout the course of, of this situation. Uh, I, I thought we were very fortunate to run third, to be real honest with you. I, I, I thought we uh, kind of – we started off okay and then struggled to the midpoint of the event, and I thought for us to get back into the top five there was, was really a good day. And, and then to, you know, squeak by that wreck and, and be able to miss that, I, I thought we were lucky as it was. So, um, you know, look, it's uh, – as I alluded to a second ago, it, it, no race car driver wants to win that way. Um, and whether it gets a overturned or not overturned or whatever, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna celebrate somebody's misfortune or or whatever uh, on you know for for that situation. I just that that doesn't seem doesn't seem right to me. And and uh, you know I crossed the I crossed the line third. You know, so it's kind of how I'm looking at it. And I I guess this then might not be a Interest, too much interest of you, but if you are, you know, if all the appeals are denied and you're the winner, do you have any idea how you go about getting the trophy? Do you, you have to ask NASCAR for it? Do you ask Rod to go over to Denny's and get it? Uh, how do you guys, how do you get it? Like, I don't know. I haven't even really thought about it, and, and honestly, I like, if he wants to keep it, he can keep it as far as I'm concerned. I mean, I, he crossed the finish line first, and um, you know, I I don't. I haven't really thought about that. That's a, that's a great question, but um, I didn't really feel like I earned it on track yesterday. So uh, if he if he wants to keep it, then then I'm good with that. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna ask for it. Okay, that was a little bit more about last week's race than it was the uh, race coming up. So I apologize for that. But uh, some interesting. Uh, uh, answers there from uh, Chase Elliott and his perspective on what took place out at Pocono. Your thoughts, Jay? Well, uh, unfortunately, that's the way it is. Is that is what the story was? Uh, mm-hmm. You know, we all know, as you mentioned, he's kind of the favorite going into uh, this weekend at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway Road Course um, with his experience and history on road courses. And overall, his stats, uh, as far as all races over the past, I believe, five or six races, he's been in the top three, which is where, where he was again this weekend. You know, it's really interesting to hear him, um, whether they cheated or not, it was an arrow advantage or not. NASCAR deemed it, it certainly possibly could have been, so they took the win away. But he's looking at his team, and he feels like they were lucky to even get to third with where they were at whether it be to the car performance itself, uh, any mistakes made throughout the race, calls, whatever it be, that they already had overachieved. So, like he was saying with the trophy, to him, that, that trophy means nothing. You know, he knows where they ran on the track, where they were at. 
just as when a team is running good but maybe not getting the finishes, that's the positive you carry with it is you know where you're running at. Um, so uh, that's, that's the biggest thing I take away from it is he is focused on his team and where they are running. You know, from there the chips are going to fall where they fall. Yeah, and, and, you know, I think appropriately so. Uh, he indicated it's not something that he's going to brag about uh, winning that race. It's it's not something that he feels uh, he should celebrate. Uh, he's just going to take it in stride and move on to the next race and go from there. And I think that's appropriate. It's not the way most people want to win a race. Um, and uh, I think uh, I appreciate that he was very humble about the situation and uh, respectful of his teammates. So, uh, you know, that that I thought was uh, the sign of a champion, if you will. Well, I, I guarantee you one thing. I know a lot of people have talked about that, and you're right, it was a humble approach. And like I said, his focus is on his team and where they're at. But I guarantee you, he may let Denny keep the trophy, but he's taken the points that went along with it as NASCAR has <laughs> yeah. deemed they will give him. I, I promise you, he don't tell Denny he can keep the points. And you know what? Those points could be huge later on because we've seen uh, championships come down to a tie where wins make all the difference in the world, and we've seen championships come down to one or two points uh, between first and second. So you never know uh, when those extra points are really going to make the difference uh, for Chase Elliott when it comes down to the playoffs. I'd have to look at where it settles out now. I know uh, post-race um, on the broadcast, talking about Denny Hamlin being the win, he was going to be the number two seed going into the playoffs. Uh, that's not going to be the case anymore, as obviously uh, I think it was six points, six playoff points uh, alone that changed hands throughout that. Um, Chase Elliott being the benefactor of the five in the, uh, with the win, and one other driver... I don't remember who, I think it was maybe Kyle Larson that got stage one win credit for a playoff point versus Denny Hamlin. So you're right, it's going to be very huge. It is. And and keep in mind, too, that, uh, uh, you know, at that time they didn't know this, but it, they w- there was not an appeal by Joe Gibbs Racing. They decided to accept the uh uh, DQ, and uh, they're just going to move forward from there. So there, there will be no appeal from Joe Gibbs Racing. Well, I think that uh, in this particular case, the only reason to do so would be to um, better prepare for it, keep your coochie for an additional week. I know we've talked about that in the past with hot topics. Uh, I think this is one where they know they got caught, um, you know, Joe Gibbs' racing statement was that, there, that a mistake was made in their – I'm trying to think of the words they used, but I don't have it right in front of me – the process of double-checking what the teams are doing with the cars and that they would correct that and make sure that didn't happen again. You know, again, it didn't go through all the way through approval. Uh, you know, from that, I take it somebody tried something, didn't tell anybody else what they were doing, and get the okay even from Joe Gibbs' racing. Now, Joe Gibbs Racing should have then gotten approval from NASCAR and said, hey, can we do this? They'd have been told no, and no, no harm, no foul, but they didn't. And, you know, Joe Gibbs Racing, uh, I think, did the right thing and accepted that and said, hey, we've got to look at our own internal process um, of checking cars before they go out, uh, as we may have some people that are trying some things we don't want them to try. 
Yes, and I heard an interview today, too, from uh, Donnie Wilson, who is uh, from TRD, and uh, he was saying that he was proud of how JGR handled the situation, how the drivers handled the situation, uh, but he said it was, uh, he more or less said it was kind of an embarrassment. Uh, they understand that NASCAR is trying to avoid these types of situations, uh, that they're trying to change the culture at NASCAR, and that uh, they need to comply with that. And so uh, they are, I think, from their standpoint, they want to make sure that that process is followed correctly as well and uh, that they don't have a repeat of the situation uh, because it does have an impact. And then, of course, there's always the conversation that follows that is whether or not it impacts the situation for Kyle Busch because he was all part of this as well. His car was found with the same violation, and he is um, looking for sponsorship going into the next season, and it's been an uphill battle. So um, this situation did not help him situation in any way, shape, or form. So... Uh, it's just in a very, very unfortunate situation. Well, and the last thing I would have to say there um, on it would be of we don't even know yet what the full impact is. As you mentioned, Kyle Busch in a, in a sponsorship situation, TRD yeah. feels it was an embarrassment to them. How does that affect their relationship with Joe Gibbs Racing and that team? And then the championship. We talked about the points difference. You know, it could affect the championship down the road. So I don't think we've seen the full effect yet of the possibility of this. Yeah, we'll have to see what happens. We're going to have to move on, though, because we do have our preview of the Camping World Truck Series race that's going to take place at Lucas Oil Indianapolis Raceway Park. Uh, and that's the T-Sport 200 that will uh, take place on Friday night. <laughs> So we'll watch the ARCA race, but we'll also be watching uh, the Truck Series race the same night. 9 p.m. Eastern time, the purse is $622,754. It will be televised on Fox Sports 1 at 8 p.m. Eastern time, radio coverage on MRN and Sirius XM NASCAR radio. Now the distance is 200 laps for a distance of 137.2 miles. Uh, the first two stages are 60 laps each, with stage one ending on lap 60, stage two on lap 120, and the final stage is 80 laps and ends on the last lap, lap 200. So what do we have here for the truck series as uh, we look at uh, the upcoming event? Well, we got Helmar Friesen Racing is going to run two trucks this weekend at Lucas Oil Raceway, Indianapolis Raceway Park. Um, but it's not going to be Stuart Friesen's wife this time. It'll be Lane <laughs> Riggs. As he will, uh, he's a Cars late model star, and he'll be driving the number 62, same truck, uh, for Helmar Friesen Racing, but it'll be his series career debut. As I mentioned, Riggs has primarily competed in the Cars Late Model Series since 2016, but this weekend is going to try his luck in the Camping World Truck Series. Uh, Riggs will be working alongside Crew Chief Trip Bruce. Now, this race will be the eighth time this season that Stuart Friesen, Helmar Friesen Racing um, has run two trucks. Riggs will join, as I mentioned, Stuart Friesen's wife, Jessica, for, who had one race, 
and two-time NASCAR Camping World Truck Series champion Todd Bodine, who has had six races. So he'll be the third different driver to pilot that number 62 this, re- uh, this season. And I think that looks to the future of that, truck, that team becoming a two-truck team long term. Yes, indeed. Uh, and I know he's super excited to get this opportunity. I've, I've seen some of his tweets over on Twitter, so uh, a dream come true for Wayne Riggs. Okay, there's going to be a Chastain in the Lucas Oil Indianapolis Raceway Park event. Uh, the younger brother of NASCAR Cup Series superstar Ross, Ross Chastain uh, is Chad Chastain, and he's making his uh, Truck Series season debut at the track this weekend for Nice Motorsports. Now, Chad Chastain will jump behind the wheel of the number 41 Nice Motorsports Chevrolet under the guidance of crew chief Wally Rogers. Uh, Chastain made his Truck Series debut last season at Watkins Glen International when he started 31st and he finished 34th. So uh, following in the footsteps of his brother, we'll now watch Chad Chastain on the track this weekend. This I'm next one, we might need to take turns here, Jay. <laughs> All right. You want me to start from the bottom? Yeah, we can. You can. Do you want to All read right. the top part there first? or? Yep. Let me, let me we're going to save that for last. I was going to give the, uh, the plan here. Um, it's scouting the 2022 NASCAR Camping World Truck Series playoff roster. As the field for the 2022 NASCAR Camping World Truck Series playoffs is packed with talent, hoping to carry them to the title, after the next seven races. Uh, Throughout the 10 drivers that have qualified for the postseason, we have six different teams that are represented, along with all three of NASCAR's OEMs, uh, Chevrolet, Ford, and Toyota. Now we're going to take a quick look at the contenders in this year's playoff grid heading into that first race of the postseason, which is at Lucas Oil Indianapolis Raceway Park. Now I'll scroll down to the bottom to start with our bottom one, and that would... uh, Oddly enough, be uh, Matt Crafton, the final driver to qualify for the 2022 NASCAR Camping World Truck Series playoffs, is the esteemed Thor Sport Racing veteran Matt Crafton, who is 10th in seeding. Uh, he holds 2,001 points to his name, one point behind Grant Enfinger, 36 behind Zane Smith, who's starting with the playoff standings lead. This will mark the seventh consecutive season that Crafton has competed in the playoffs, which is a series most. He's also the only active driver to have competed in every single year since the new format's inception coming back in 2016. He's a three-time NASCAR Camping World Truck Series champion in 2013, 14, and 19, and it'll uh, Crafton's 2021 playoff appearance ended with him being finished in the fourth place. Made the final four, but that's where he finished. Okay. Uh, Do you want to go over his 22 stats? All right. Uh, The 22 stats, he has 16 starts, one top five, eight top tens, only six laps led and an average start of 14.5, the finish at 14.1, and the mentioned there he picked up one playoff point. 
Okay. Next up, uh, returning uh, GMS racing driver Grant Infinger comes into this year's uh, Camping World Truck Series postseason ranked ninth in the seeding. He has 2,002 points and trails Carson Hosefar by three points, who sits in eighth, and 35 points from Zane Smith, who sits in first. Now, Infinger won the regular season championship in 2020, and he's competed in the playoff three other times throughout his career from 2018 to 20. His best outing, it came at the most recent appearance in 2020 when he ended the year fourth in the standings. His 2022 stats, he has in 16 starts, three top fives, seven top tens, 30 laps led, an average start of 10.8, an average finish of 13.5. He gained two playoff points and is ranked ninth. Next one up is young Carson Hosevar. He drives from Nice Motorsports, enters into the playoffs in the eighth seed. He's a second-year driver, and he's carrying 2,005 points into the postseason, and he's only one point shy of Majeski in seventh. And Hosevar's last playoff run came last year during his rookie season. At only 18 years old, he finished last year 10th in the standings. Uh, when asked about a particular race, he feels he could snag a win from these motorsports in the playoffs. It did happen to be Lucas Oil Raceway Park. So look for him this weekend to try and make a big splash right from the get-go. In his 16 starts on the year, six top fives, nine top tens, along with a pole, led 208 laps, has an average start of 8.1, finish a little lower at 11.8, but he has picked up those five playoff points. Okay, next up we do have Ty Majeski uh, from Thor Sport Racing. Uh, he comes to the uh, Truck Series playoffs ranked seventh seed and enters the postseason with a total of 2,006 points, only one less than Eckes, who sits in sixth. The 2022 season marks the first time that he's going to compete in the playoffs, along with it being the first time that he's also run the full season. In 16 starts, Majeski has seven top fives, ten top tens, two poles. He's led 35 laps, has an average start of 8.3 with an average finish of 10.5. He gained those six playoff points to start the playoffs and is ranked seventh. Well, if you're a betting person, put your money on Thor Sports Racing. They also have Christian Eckes uh, starting the 2022 postseason. He's in the number six seed, garnering 2,007 points, six behind Stuart Friesen, 30 off of the lead of Zane Smith. Eckes has one other appearance uh, in the Camping World Truck Series playoffs. That came back in 2020 during his only other full-time season in the series. He ended that year of 2020 eighth in the standings. This year, he's at seven top fives and ten top tens, 77 laps led. He's got a good average uh, start of 12.2 and then upped it with his finish of 10.4 on average. Uh, he picked up seven playoff points throughout the year. Next up, we have Stuart Friesen of Hallmark Friesen Racing. He enters the postseason as the number five seed. Uh, Friesen is a Canadian driver and has made three prior appearances in the Truck Series playoffs, 2018, 19, and 21, including a trip to the championship four-round 
in 2019, where he earned his career best finish in the final standings. He finished fourth. This time around, Friesen feels a lot more comfortable heading into the playoffs this year as opposed to last year. Uh, he said, we're seated a little bit better than we were last year. I feel like we're a little bit more racing on offense than we were on defense in years past. We have some really good trucks that we've lined up for the playoffs, and I'm looking forward to running them. So his stats this season includes one win. He's got six top fives, nine top tens. 124 laps led, average start of 8.3 with an average finish of 9.8, 13 playoff points, and is ranked ninth. Next up is last year's NASCAR Camping World Truck Series regular season champion, John Hunter Nemechek. He comes into the 2022 playoffs as the number four seed, driving for Kyle Busch Motorsports. He has a total of 20 or 2,016 points. That puts him one point behind Ben Rhodes for third. The season will mark the fourth time Nemechek now has competed in the NASCAR Truck Series playoffs, finishing eighth in back-to-back years in 2016 and 17, along with a third-place final standing in 2021. Uh, he's taken a much different approach this year compared to 2021. As he stated, it'll be definitely different than last year, uh, they feel like they had a more dominant season last year. This year, they're kind of under the radar a little bit. So it's a different mindset, different perspective, but excited for the playoffs and go out and capitalize. On the year, he does have one victory, seven top fives and 11 top tens, picking up four poles along the way. Led a total of 188 laps. Average start, a 7.1, but the average finish is over 10th at 11.4. I mentioned he has 16 playoff points built up. Okay, next off is last year's champion from Thorsport Racing, Ben Rhodes. Uh, he comes into the playoffs this year in the number three seed. Uh, the Truck Series champion starts his postseason off with 2,017 points, just five back from Chandler Smith in second. Along with his title-winning season last year, Rhodes competed in the playoffs three other times before then in 2017, 18, and 20 when he finished 5th, 8th, and 7th respectively. Now, coming off winning the title last year, Rhodes is much more aware of what it takes to win the championship. He says, I just feel like I got better clarity of what's going on around me. Uh, the confidence from last year has allowed me and my whole team to really stay calm, cool, and collected knowing <clears throat> while the races haven't been going the way we want, we're still right where we need to be. So uh, this season he has the one win, five top fives, nine top tens, 224 laps led, 11.9 uh, as an average start with 12.9 as an average finish. He has those 17 playoff points that puts him in the third rank, third in the ranking. Now we got... Now we got to look at the Smiths, the first two, the top two. Second place is Chandler Smith. He comes in uh, with the Kyle Busch Motorsports with 2,022 points, uh, which is 17 points behind Zane. This will be the second time he has competed in the NASCAR Camping World Truck Series playoffs in his career after being eliminated in the round of eight in 2021, finishing eighth in those final standings. Now, no other driver in the playoffs may be looking forward to this weekend's race more than Chandler Smith. As he stated, 
I've been there three times in the Arkham Menard series, won twice. So he's really looking forward to it. On the year, 16 starts, give him two wins, seven top fives and 11 top tens. He led 145 laps. Average start and finish, 8.9 with a finish of 8.8. Very consistent there. And the 22 playoff points. Okay, another consistent driver is the 2022 NASCAR Camping World Truck Series regular season champion, Zane Smith, entering as the number one seed with 2,037 points to his name. That's up 17 points on Chandler Smith, who's in second. The season marks the first time the front row motorsports driver has won the regular season championship and the third time that he's competed in the playoffs. His two prior season appearances ended with him making the championship four round, finishing runner-up in the standings in 20 and 21. Smith undoubtedly feels confident moving into the round of 10. He says, I think this first round is a really good one for us. Uh, and uh, with IRP, Richmond at night should be a really good one. And Kansas in the beginning of the year was really strong for us. So hopefully we can have a good round there, collect a lot of points, and then it resets again going into the following round. Now, he has three wins, nine top fives, 13 top tens. He's led 347 laps, has an average start of 8.9, with an average finish of 8.7. He has those 37 playoff points that includes the 15 bonus points, and that puts him in the number one seed ranking. Now, real quick, I just want to um, mention here, let's see, where did I see it? Uh, there's going to be three rounds. They'll have the round of 10, uh, and that starts at Lucas Oil, Indianapolis Raceway Park, Richmond, and Kansas. Uh, that's when they'll eliminate uh, uh, a couple of drivers, and then they move on to the round of eight. The second round uh, are races 20 and 22, uh, consist of races at Bristol, Talladega, and Homestead, Miami, and that will determine the championship four drivers. Uh, the estimated driver will return to the playoff start base of 2000, uh, and uh, then they will uh, race the championship race uh, that will take place at Phoenix. So um, uh, just real quick, I wanted to get that in before we move on to the Xfinity Series. Okay. Now we're going to move on to the Xfinity Series. We're already behind here. Let's see if I can get back to the top here. Uh, The Pennzoil 150 at the Brickyard will take place at Indianapolis Motor Speedway's road course on Saturday, July the 30th at 3.30 p.m. Eastern. The purse is $1,750,651. The race will start at 3 p.m. and will be televised on NBC. They'll also have radio coverage on IMS, Sirius XM, NASCAR Radio. They'll race a distance of 151.22 miles, and that's 62 laps. First two stages are 22 laps each. Stage one ends on lap 20, stage two on lap 40, and the final stage will be uh, 22 laps and will end on lap 62. So what do we have here for the Xfinity Series? Well, we start with a standby driver. Uh, Santino Ferrucci is on standby for Joseph Newgarden. 
Santino Ferrucci has made one Xfinity Series start on the, on the year that was at Pocono and has entered into this weekend's Penzo 150 at the Brickyard with the number 26 Sam Hunt Racing Ford. But that's not all on his, that's on his schedule this weekend. Aside from his Xfinity Series responsibilities, Ferrucci is on standby for the two-time NTT IndyCar, IndyCar Series champion Joseph Newgarden. The 31-year-old driver had to be helped to the hospital following a race at Iowa Speedway on Sunday and has not yet been cleared to compete this weekend at Indianapolis Motor Speedway. So per IndyCar protocol, Newgarden will be evaluated. It says on Thursday these notes came out sometime today, so we don't have an update on that yet. I don't Well, anymore. I do have an update. I do have an update. Right. Joseph Newgarden was cleared to race. Uh, this weekend, and so uh, Santino will still be on standby in case something comes up, but uh, he is cleared to race Joseph Newgarden this weekend in the IndyCar series. All right, there's your update. Okay, now back to the beginning. Two drivers have made the first Xfinity Series career starts at Indianapolis Motor Speedway's road course. That includes Jade Buford and Sage Karam. While Buford won't be competing in any NASCAR National Series races this weekend, Karam, an NTT IndyCar and IMSA WeatherTech Sports Car Championship driver, will be back at his debut track in the number 45 Alpha Prime Racing Chevrolet for his sixth Xfinity Series start this season. His best finish this season is a 16th, which was at Coda's Road Course in Austin, Texas. So, uh... He might have another good run here. Well, not on standby, but drivers running double duty at Indianapolis. Aside from the six NASCAR Cup Series competitors that are getting into uh, two races this weekend, a couple other drivers are getting a little extra track time as well. And that'll be A.J. Allmendinger and Kaz Grala. Almendinger will hop in the number 16 college racing Chevrolet on Sunday after running the Penzoil 150 at the Brickyard, which will be for his 11th Cup Series start this season. Uh, in 10 starts so far, he's posted two top 10, one of which was a road, uh, on a road course at Road America. Uh, Grala, he'll kick off the weekend at Lucas Oil Indianapolis Raceway Park, driving the number 02 Young Motorsports Chevrolet in the NASCAR Camping World Truck Series then make his way over to Indianapolis Motor Speedway, the road course, to drive the number 48 Big Machine Racing Chevrolet in the Xfinity Series, which will be his sixth start on the year. Okay. One more. The more Cup Series contenders, the merrier. Uh, at the Indy Road Course uh, seems to be a popular circuit among drivers as six NASCAR Cup Series regulars are rented to run double duty this weekend. They include Chase Briscoe, Ty Dillon, Alex Bowman, Bubba Wallace, Austin Dillon, and Ross Chastain. Now, Briscoe is looking for another Indianapolis Motor Speedway Road Course win in the number seven SS Greenlight Racing Ford. This will be his first Xfinity Series start this year and his second start at the track where he won back in 2020. Ty Dillon is joining JD Motorsports team in the number six Chevrolet, and this will be his third Xfinity Series start in 2022. Other starts were Road America and New Hampshire, and his first at the track. Dillon's lone Xfinity Series career win came at Indianapolis Motor Speedway's Oval back in 2014. 
Alex Moman will be behind the wheel of the number 17 Hendrick Motorsport Chevrolet for his first Xfinity Series start since 2018. Hendrick Motorsports is running a part-time schedule this season with the 17. Bowman has yet to give the Indianapolis Road Course a go in the Xfinity Series, but he does have one start in the Cup Series where he finished 7th. Bubba, Bubba Wallace is piloting the number 18 Joe Gibbs Racing Toyota for his second road course Xfinity Series start this season. His other start was earlier this season at Coda when he finished 28th. This will be his first start for the series, uh, start at the road course in Indianapolis, but last season he gave the circuit a go in the Cup Series and finished 13th after starting from the 27th spot. Now, Austin Dillon is driving the number 16 Brandon-built Motorsport Chevrolet for this weekend's Pennzoil 150 at the Brickyard. This will be a second Xfinity start of the 2022 season and a second at the track. He finished sixth in last season's race. Ross Chastain, he'll be in the number 92 for DGM Racing Chevrolet. Uh, for his second Xfinity Series start of the season after running Coda in March. He has one Xfinity Series start at the Indianapolis Road Course, where he finished sixth last year. Now, keep in mind, he ran in the Xfinity Series at Coda and then turned around and won that Cup Series race. So uh, it'll be interesting to see if he can do that this weekend. Now we take a look at the playoff picture in the Xfinity Series. We've got seven races to go with five postseason spots still open. The NASCAR Xfinity Series has had repeat winners in victory lane for seven consecutive weeks. And as a result, the pressure to make the playoff spot, uh, playoffs with seven races to go is palpable. As time is running out for the competitors vying for one of the five remaining post, postseason spots with the Xfinity Series playoffs, starting at Texas Motor Speedway, coming up on September 24th. Now, seven drivers already earned a spot in the 12-driver playoff, 12 playoff uh, field by virtue of their wins this season. Ty Gibbs has four, Justin Allgaier, Noah Gregson, three, A.J. Allmendinger and Josh Berry, along with Austin Hill, each have two, and Brandon Jones has one. And junior Motorsports driver Sam Mayer, he sits in the eighth position in the Xfinity Series playoff outlook, the highest-ranked driver without a win. Mayer is currently 139 points above the postseason cut line. This season, Mayer has posted eight top fives and top, ten top tens, coming off a sixth-place finish last weekend at Pocono Raceway. He'll be going into this weekend's race looking for redemption after falling victim to an incident in last season's Indianapolis race which relegated him to a 27th place finish. A Stuart Haas Racing's Riley Herbst, he takes the ninth position in the Xfinity Series playoff outlook standings, 114 points above the cut line following Pocono. He's going into the weekend's race with a top 10 finish at the Indianapolis Road Course uh, from 2021. Although road courses haven't been a strong suit uh, this season, aside from that top 10 finish at Road America, He's posted five top fives and 10, 12 top tens uh, on the year. A colleague racing's Daniel Hemrick slides in in the 10th spot, uh, sits 93 points above the cut line. Defending series champion has put up two top fives and eight top tens this season. He's 
coming out of Kannapolis, North Carolina, he made his series track debut at the Indianapolis Road Course, uh, posting a 12th place finish. Going with RSS Racing's driver Ryan Sieg, he's managed to hold on to the 11th position in the Xfinity Series playoff outlook, one of the last two positions during a spot into the postseason on point. Sieg is currently 57 points up on the cut line heading into this weekend at Indianapolis. The Georgia native has made two starts at Indianapolis Motor Speedway Road Course, posting a best finish of 17th in 2020. And then we got College Racing's uh, Landon Castle. Though hanging on to the 12th and final playoff transfer position on points, he's having the best NASCAR Xfinity Series season of his career. Castle is currently 47 points up on the playoff cut line. In 19 starts on the year, he's posted three top fives and eight top tens. He does have one start under his belt at the Indianapolis Road Course in 2021 and worked his way up to a 17th place finish after starting 33rd. Now, following the race in New Hampshire, uh, Brandon Built Motorsports, Brandon Brown, was sitting just outside the playoff cut, cut line in 13th, but Richard Childress Racing's rookie Sheldon Creed has been on a run the last few races, making up points and taking that spot. Now, Creed finished fifth at Pocono, is now 47 points behind College Racing's Landing Castle heading into this weekend. Whereas Brown is now 14th in the uh, playoff points, 66 points below the cut line. So Creed will look to look to close the gap on Castle this weekend, but he'll have his work cut out for him. Uh, as this will be his series track debut at the 2.439 mile road course. Okay, we'll wrap up the Xfinity series uh, just to let you know that Ty Gibbs uh, last weekend made an unexpected Cup Series debut at Pocono, racing for Kurt Busch in the number 45 for 2311 racing. And uh, he's expected to do that again this weekend because Kurt Busch has not been cleared uh, for racing just yet. So he'll be back behind the wheel of that number 45 for 23XI racing. Uh, last week at Pocono, uh, he was able to, uh, he came up a, a runner-up finish in the Xfinity Series and uh, quickly shifted gears over to the Cup Series. Uh, his only other Cup Series uh, start was in a simulator, uh, but he was able to stay out of trouble. He completed all 160 laps, and he pulled off a 16th-place finish. So uh, uh, it's going to be interesting to see what he does this weekend. Gibbs made his Xfinity Series track debut at a, the road course at Indianapolis last season when he started fifth, but he finished 19th. So um, uh, right now, it, it again, is going to be interesting. Uh, as far as uh, road courses, at Road America in July, uh, he has four wins this season, the most recent at Road America in July. He also has wins at the Daytona Road Course in 2021 and Watkins Glen in 2021. So uh, watch and see. Uh, what he does in both the Xfinity Series as well as the Cup Series this weekend. Next up, we have the uh, NASCAR Cup Series Verizon 200 at the Brickyard on the Indianapolis Motor Speedway Road Course on Sunday, July the 31st. 
At 2.30 p.m. Eastern, the purse here is a hefty $8,671,417. Race will be broadcast on NBC at 2 p.m. Eastern. Uh, Radio coverage on IMS and Sirius XM NASCAR Radio. They'll be racing a distance of 199.998 miles over 82 laps. Stage 1 ends on lap 15. Stage 2 will be 20 laps, ending on lap 35. And the final stage will be uh, ending on lap 82 for uh, just, what is that, 48 laps? I might be off by that. 47 laps. All right. What do we have in the Cup Series? Well, I guess you could say time is flying by as we got Stenhouse Jr. to reach 350 NASCAR Cup Series starts. Uh, JTG Darters Racing's driver Ricky Stenhouse Jr. making his 350th NASCAR Cup Series start this weekend at Indianapolis Motor Speedway Road Course. Stenhouse, who is a two-time NASCAR Xfinity Series champion, has put up three poles, two wins, 20 top fives, and 45 top tens in his 349 Cup Series starts so far. So look for him to advance those numbers along this weekend. Well, another driver reaching a milestone this weekend is Joe Gibbs Racing's Denny Hamlin making his 600th NASCAR Cup Series start this weekend at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway Road Course, becoming the 33rd different driver to make 600 or more starts in the series. Now, Hamlin will also become the sixth active driver to make 600 or more starts in the Cup Series, joining Kurt Busch at 776 starts, Kevin Harvick at 775, Kyle Busch at 627, and Martin Truex Jr. at 606. Hamlin made his first Cup Series start in 2005 at Kansas Speedway, and in 599 starts, Hamlin's collected 36 poles, 48 wins, the most by a driver without a title, and 201 top fives and 310 top tens. Next, we got our matchups. Yeah, we got to scroll up a little bit as we look at the uh, featured matchups that fans can bet on this weekend. And now let's go back down to the bottom, starting at the bottom, moving up. We got Tyler Reddick versus Ryan Blaney. Uh, much like the previous matchup, Reddick versus Blaney is a matter of stage points and wins. Reddick, who won the road course, the last road course uh, race at Road America, is near the bottom of the cut line for drivers who have a win. If there are more than 16 winners this year, Reddick may be in jeopardy of missing out on the playoffs. And like Reddick, Blaney is in danger of missing out on the playoffs as well, even though he sits third in the standings. Needing a win to lock himself into the postseason, Blaney will be looking forward to Indianapolis. Now, both drivers are capable of winning this weekend, but will Reddick opt for stage points instead of trash position? Strategy could come into play. Yes, indeed. Our next matchup is Martin Truex Jr. versus Chase Briscoe. Now, this matchup sets up a battle for uh, strategies this week at Indianapolis's road course. Truex is without a win this year with 14 different winners. It's becoming increasingly likely that he'll have to reach victory lane in order to make the playoffs. Regarded as a particularly good road course driver, Truex hasn't won at a road course since 2019 when he won at Sonoma. 
Chase Briscoe yet to win on a road course since joining the Cup Series, but won at Indianapolis's road course in 2020 in the Xfinity Series. While Truex needs a win, Briscoe needs points. This matchup may come down to pit strategy near the end of the stages, so we'll watch for that this weekend. We also want to watch our teammates. We've got Chase Elliott versus Kyle Larson. Now, widely regarded as two of the best road course ringers in the NASCAR Cup Series, Hendrick Motorsports teammates Chase Elliott and Kyle Larson both finished in the top five last year at Indianapolis in a race that A.J. Allmendinger ultimately won. For two guys that combined to win five of seven road courses uh, on road course tracks last year, neither have picked up a win on a road course yet this year. So the co-favorites for every road course uh, thus far Will Indianapolis be the right place that one of these two gets Hendrick Motorsports back to victory lane on the road course? Well, they'll have to talk to Denny Hamlin and Ross Chastain. Uh, That's a a good matchup right there. What an adventurous Sunday it was for those rivals that have traded paint the whole season. Uh, The two of the best cars, once again, they found themselves next to each other on the front row with 21 laps to go in the race. Hamlin, who had promised revenge for Chastain, gave him no room heading into the first turn, causing Chastain to be sent up the track into the wall and ultimately wrecking out of the race. Though Hamlin crossed the finish line first, both him and Kyle, Bush car- and Kyle Bush's cars were DQ'd, resulting in another Chase Elliott win. This week at Indianapolis, we'll see if Hamlin and Chastain will do well, duel once again as both are former road course winners. Uh, I thought it was interesting that Denny Hamlin uh, did what he did uh, to take uh, Ross Chastain out of the race, but yet Ross Chastain ended up finishing ahead of him despite that. Are you just mentioning that because two people happen to have those drivers in our fantasy group and who got the advantage when it was all said and done? Uh, <laughs> I know you picked Chastain following my pick of Denny Hamlin making that comment, so I guess ultimately you did come out a point ahead on that one. <laughs> I, I, I'm i just uh, stating the facts, Jack. <laughs> right. <laughs> all right. Uh, speaking of facts, Elliot Larson and Hamlin – are tied for the series most wins since 2020. Uh, When we look at the start of the 2020 season, 24 different drivers have won at least one NASCAR Cup Series race, but three drivers, Chase Elliott, Kyle Larson, and Denny Hamlin, are tied for the series most uh, wins with 11 victories each, totaling 33 of the 93 races run, which is 35.4%. Uh, do you want me to read through each of these drivers uh, where those victories are? No, were at? for the sake of time, I don't think okay. we'll do that. <laughs> okay, that's a, kind of what I was thinking. Uh, you can look up. There's a page on uh, jsky.com, news and notes, where it breaks down each of those 11 wins. Okay, Team Hezeberg taps uh, Daniel Kivyat for the Indianapolis Golf Course. I, I might have butchered that name, but uh, that's the best I can do. Uh, former Formula One driver Daniel Kvyat will attempt to make his Cup Series debut this weekend at Indianapolis Motor Speedway's road course in the Verizon 200 at the Brickyard on Sunday. Uh, the Team Hezeberg organization will have the 26-year-old from Ufo, Russia. He'll pilot the number 26 Ford this weekend alongside 
crew chief, Josh Rayum. Kvyat is a product of the Red Bull program. He raced from 2014 to 20 with Toro Rosso, Red Bull, and Alpha Tori. Team Hesseberg will attempt for the first time in his brief history to field two cars this weekend in the Verizon 200 at the Brickyard. Kvyat will pilot the 26 Ford, and Loris Hesemans will be in the number 27 Toyota. So uh, that'll be interesting to watch this weekend as well. And I am going to gladly move on to the next session so I don't have to try and pronounce any Russian names because that one was uh, well beyond <laughs> me. Uh, good effort. I, I have no idea if it was right or wrong, but it, it was definitely a good effort, Sharon. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> uh, active road courses aces this weekend to watch. Richard Childress Racing, Tyler Reddick, outdueled Hendrick Motorsports Chase Elliott at Road America which was the last road course uh, the NASCAR Cup Series visited back on July 3rd, and that was to get his first career series win and become the 14th active road course winner at centered into this weekend to compete in Sunday's Verizon 200 at the Brickyard. And then it's an Indianapolis Motor Speedway road course, which is a 2.349-mile circuit. Now, one to watch for this Verizon 200 at the Brickyard would be last weekend's Pocono Raceway, Raceway winner, Hendrick Motorsports driver Chase Elliott, as he looks to retake his crown as the active road course king this weekend. Elliott leads the 14 active Cup Series road course winners with seven victories on tracks that turn left and right. So expect Elliott to be up front again this weekend, as in last season's Indianapolis road course, he started third, led 14 laps before ending up finishing in the fourth spot. Plus, he has the second-best average on the three road courses the NASCAR Cup Series has already visited this season with a 4.6, and that's behind only Trackhouse Racing's Ross Chastain, who is at 4.0. Now, another former road course winner having a great season uh, this year, despite some bad luck last weekend at Pocono, that's Team Penske's Ryan Blaney. He's currently third in the Drivers' Series standings, but without a win, is 15th on the playoff outlook heading into the weekend at Indianapolis. Now, Blaney finished runner-up to A.J. Allmendinger last season at Indianapolis Motor Speedway Road Course uh, Cup race, and his lone road course win came in the Cup Series came at the Charlotte Motor Speedway Roval, which is another road course that incorporates the oval of the track in its layout like Indianapolis does. Now, on top of that, Blaney has the fourth-best average finish on the three road courses uh, the Cup Series has visited already. His is at 7.6. I'm not going to break them all down, but just to run down, Chase Elliott has seven wins on road courses. Kyle Busch and Martin Truex, four. Kyle Larson, three. Kevin Harvick and Allmendinger, A.J. Allmendinger, two. And then Joey Logano, Kurt Busch, Ryan Blaney, Christopher Bell, Denny Hamlin, Ross Chastain, Daniel Suarez, and Tyler Reddick each have one. So will the fans get to see another new week, uh, winner this weekend? With the series record of five new winners this season, it could happen. Uh, the first three road courses this year have already produced three first-time Cup Series winners. The Circuit of Americas, it was Ross Jaspain. Sonoma, it was uh, Sonoma Raceway, it was Daniel Suarez. And then Road America was the mentioned uh, Tyler Reddick. Ten of the 38 drivers entered into this weekend are looking for their first career NASCAR Cup Series victory. Uh, in alphabetical order, we got Josh Balecki, 
Harrison Burton, Ty Dillon, Todd Gillen, Joey Hand, Loris Hesmond, Daniel Kvot, uh, Corey LaJoy, BJ McLeod, and Cody Ware. In addition, seven drivers that visited Victory Lane in the Cup Series last season are all still looking for their first win of 2022. And that list includes Agent Almendinger, Eric Almarola, Brad Keselowski, Bubba Wallace, Martin Truex Jr., Michael McDowell, and Ryan Blaney. Okay. Next, I'm going to focus on just a couple of drivers uh, before we move on to our hot topic sound off. Uh, last week, with the situation with Denny Hamlin and uh, Kyle Busch, it opened up the door for uh, Chase Elliott to win his fourth race of the season and open up his standings lead. Uh, right now, Chase Elliott is third on the NASCAR Cup Series all-time road course wins list. He has the seven road course victories that Jay mentioned behind Hall of Famers Jeff Gordon with nine and Tony Stewart, who has eight road course wins. So uh, we'll see what uh, he's able to do this weekend uh, if he, he is the favorite going in. So we'll see. But there's another driver that could unseat him as far as winning at the road course, and that's Colleague Racing's A.J. Allmendinger. He's hoping to kiss the bricks at uh, the race at the, at the road course at Indianapolis Motor Speedway. Uh, last season, Allmendinger delivered Colleague Racing's first NASCAR Cup Series victory and a stunning run to the finish at the same road course at Indianapolis Motor Speedway. Uh, that impressive, impressive one year did Allmendinger, whoa, his second career Cup Series victory, which includes uh, Watkins Glen in 2014 and Indianapolis's road course in 2021. Uh, the 40-year-old veteran now shuffles back into the hallowed grounds at Indianapolis's road course looking for his second chance to kiss the bricks this weekend. Uh, he's currently full-time in the Xfinity Series and leads uh, the Xfinity standings heading into this weekend, but he's pulling double duty uh, by racing in the Cup Series on Sunday. Uh, Almondinger has run the part-time schedule in the Cup Series uh, in the Colleague Racing number 16 Chevrolet with Daniel Hemrick and Noah Gregson. Uh, the California native has made 10 cup starts this season, posting two top 10 finishes. So uh, that's going to be interesting to see if either one of those drivers win this weekend at Indianapolis Motor Speedway's road course. It is now the top of the hour and time for us to get into our NASCAR Hot Topic Sound Off. And joining us uh, tonight is Tommy Kraft. Welcome to the show, Tommy. Hey, how are you Thanks for having me back. Looking forward to talking some hot topics. Well, always a pleasure to have you on. Now, uh, we had hoped that Brian Everly would be able to join us tonight, but he had something come up at work, and unfortunately uh, he has indicated that he's not going to be able to join us. So we'll have to look for that for another time. Uh, but, Tommy, you're uh, uh, on here tonight, and we're happy to have you. So why don't you start us out with the first hot topic here? Okay, uh, let's go with, um, let's see here. Let's go with uh, the Camping World um, Truck Series. Um, Camping World, uh, not going to be the sponsor at the end of the year, possibly Craftsman um, to take over next year. 
Okay. Uh, Jay, your thoughts on that? Well, we had earlier in the year, we had heard some rumblings about this, but no official indication. I guess Marcus Lemonis has made it official that Camping World Truck Series will not be back um, with the Truck Series. That's unfortunate. Uh, they've been a great, huge impact on, on the Truck Series as well as NASCAR as a whole, uh, both uh, as, a, as a series sponsor, driver sponsorship, and I don't know what the future holds. You know, whatever they do as a company, you've got to appreciate uh, what they have done for this sport as it is. Uh, the possibility of craftsmen coming back, I kind of like that. Um, you know, that's where it started uh, back in, what, 1995, I believe, uh, when the truck series, craftsman truck series came into play. So uh, returning to its roots from that aspect, I do like that. But, again, I just got to say thank you to Mar- Marcus Limonis of uh, Camping World. They have been an absolute outstanding sponsor in the time that they have uh, covered it. Yeah, took the words right out of my mouth, Jay. Uh, I would agree with you. Camping World Truck Series has done a great job in the truck series. Um, uh, Marcus Lamonis and his organization has been just a tremendous uh, asset to the truck series over the years that they've been with us. And uh, uh, I really wish them the best and, and a big, big Shout out and thank you to everything that they've done, uh, not just for the truck series itself, but for the individual drivers and everything that the, he's done to ensure that some of those drivers can be on the track. Um, and then even in the uh, to have Craftsman as the potential sponsor to come back into the truck series is huge as well because they did such a great job. Uh, that's I remember it always being the Craftsman's truck series. Uh, and to have them come back into that role, I think, will be a huge asset as well. Uh, so uh, there's not a whole lot more to say about that. Um, we're going to miss the Camping World uh, sponsorship and Marcus Lemonis, uh, but he has said that he is still going to be very much involved as far as uh, being a fan of the sport and uh, maybe continuing to support drivers individually. So uh, that's huge. I know that he said one of the reasons he is stepping aside is because he wants to give uh, – he's come to that point where he wants to make sure that he's giving back to the employees that have supported his organization over the years. Uh, and uh, this seems like the perfect time to do that. So uh, thanks for all that he's done. Tommy. Uh, um I'm just hoping that the rumors are true that Craftsman's going to come back. I mean, like you said, um, I still refer to it to the Craftsman series. Um, even today, I even still call it the Bush series sometime as well for the Xfinity series. But um, I think that it's awesome that um, Craftsman wants to come back. And y'all are right. Um, it's been the Camp of World series now for a while. Um, it's going to be weird without um, – them around, but I'm sure he'll still stay involved um, somehow or some way, and uh, I'm sure that the trucks are still going to have uh, that sponsor on some of their cars. Um, so um, it's going to be different, but uh, I really do hope that it is Craftsman. I just, it's crazy how, like, uh, the past um, is coming back, some of it at least. Like, they, they brought back two Darlington races. 
Um, everybody loves Surback Weekend. Now Craftsman's coming back. Um, just just love to see it. Um, well, hopefully they're coming back. It's not confirmed yet, but um, it would be awesome if it, if it works out that way. And uh, that's what I'm pulling for. But um, I guess just thanks to Camping World and uh, their CEO, because they, they have been repping the sport for a while. But um, I guess it's coming to an end. And he did hint at it before. I feel like I remember that. And also, he was helping out with the SRX, too, so the move was kind of mm-hmm. expected. But um, um, still pretty cool, though, to see the craftsmen is the ones they're talking to replace. That's, that's really cool. Absolutely. Jay, your follow-up? Yeah, a couple of things. Tommy is right. It's just highly projected. I know, like I said, and I can't remember when it was this topic first came up. NASCAR was aware of it and it had started talking to others uh, from, I think it was Adam Stern. I saw it. They are in very advanced talks with a sponsor. It is highly rumored to be Craftsman. And, and I'm with Tommy. The, the throwback to that, uh, as we mentioned, that's what it was when the truck series started. I think it was a good fit. Um, it'll be really interesting to see what Camping World does whether it's a continuation with uh, the SRX individual drivers. As you two were talking, it uh, just popped into my head. I might throw Kyle Bush's name out there to uh, Marcus Lemonis. He's in need of sponsorship. I don't know if that uh, <laughs> interests him or not, but uh, <laughs> we'll throw it out there anyway, right? Exactly. Why not? Okay. Um yeah, I, I'm like you guys. I'm super excited to see Craftsman coming back. I think uh, it's going to be a really good fit in the truck series, and uh, I, I just am super excited. Uh, it's going to be give it a little bit of a retro feel, if you will, uh, to have Craftsman coming back and being a part of the future. Uh, even though it's going to be that retro feel, uh, it, it's still going to be bringing NASCAR truck series uh, into the future as well. So uh, kudos to them for stepping up to the plate. Uh, not a lot more that I can add to that. Tommy? Yeah, I don't really have much to add on to it either. Just um, really neat that um, Craftsman is going to come back well, hopefully. Not a done deal yet, and um, uh, just can't believe the era of Camping World is over, but um, it was kind of expected. Okay. Jay, what do you have for us for our next topic? Well, I was scrolling through. There's some uh, definitely interesting ones. I'm going to have to start here, though, with uh, we didn't get to talk to uh, talk about it on Monday. Michael McDowell's team, uh, the number 34 Front Row Motorsports car was taken back to the R&D Center and NASCAR found something. They issued a deduction of 100 owner points, 100 driver points, and 10 NASCAR playoff points, which goes back to the same as Brad Keselowski's penalty, and it was for modifying the single-source supplied part. And I do know already that the Front Row Motorsports has appealed it, so we'll have to see what the final outcome is, um, but it will not take effect as of yet. Yeah. Uh, Tommy, your thoughts about the uh, penalty on the number 34 and the appeal? 
Well, I'm sure the appeal won't get overturned. Um, it, it, it seems that they stick with the penalties. But um, that's a huge blow to him because they have been having a good year, solid. Um, he's been banging out some top tens. So um, that 100 points is going to hurt. Uh, that pretty much puts him in the point to where he has to win to get in the playoffs, which I think he was kind of already in that situation anyway. But um definitely doesn't help. And um, – that's three cars for Pocono in the top ten that had issues. Um, and we saw what it did to Brad Kay. I mean, he still hasn't really recovered. You know, he's way back there in, like, 30th points. And um, I'm sure McDowell's probably somewhere back there now. Um, you know, stinks for them. Um, they appealed. And like I said, there's just – I just feel like they're probably not going to win. I feel like NASCAR is very rare to overturn those. So um, that penalty is going to hurt. And um, I'll wait for the next round because I'm not sure what the uh, the penalty was for. I kind of missed it there. Um, but, um, I mean, he can't do what he did, obviously, because NASCAR wouldn't have, uh, wouldn't have uh, fined him like that. Yeah. I tend to agree with you, Tommy. I think this is just to buy them some time and get past the road course at Indianapolis. Uh, I don't see them winning an appeal uh, for a spec part. NASCAR's made it really clear uh, that there is no tampering that's acceptable on any of those spec parts, and yet that's what they found when they took it back to the R&D Center. I, yeah, I'm kind of disappointed because Michael McDowell, I was so proud of him having – uh, the kind of runs that he's been having, uh, but now it kind of makes you wonder, <laughs> uh, you know, if, if they'd been uh, kind of tampering with that part for a while now uh, so that he could have those runs. So, uh, again, NASCAR is making it very clear uh, that they don't want anybody tampering with those parts uh, with these penalties. It puts him back in 26th in points, so he's still above that 30th place cut line but you're right he's going to need a win in order to get into the playoffs and i think what we're seeing you mentioned that there's three cars of the 10 top 10 cars uh from pocono that have been either dq'd or hit with a stiff penalty and uh i think it's an indication that these drivers are getting desperate to make it into the playoffs making it into the playoffs is really huge for their sponsors and for their organization and uh, nobody wants to be left out. So these guys are getting desperate to make those plays for a win uh, and to to get the points they need to be able to make it into the top 16 in points. So uh, NASCAR is keeping an eye on it, uh, and I think they're going to be even busier as they continue to wind down the season. Uh, so I would expect this is just the beginning of what we're going to see uh, going forward uh, before these playoffs begin, and perhaps even during the playoffs because winning that championship is huge as well. Uh, I hope it's not. I hope it doesn't become the topic of conversation every week. Uh, I'd rather have the topic of conversation be the great racing that we're seeing on the track. However, if teams are cheating, I want NASCAR to to address it and penalize the drivers that are doing that, because the last thing I want to have happen is for us to crown a champion uh, that has been cheating. So, Jay, what are your thoughts? 
Well, normally I'd, I'd be on the same side as you guys as far as why they appealed the, the penalty, uh, especially with a team that is, does not have the depth of some of the str bigger, stronger teams. I would say it is to be prepared, uh, give them another week to prepare for that suspension. However, with their statement of we are appealing it and we have nothing else to say at this time, I feel like they really don't feel they did something wrong or can justify it, whatever it be, that they are actually doing it to fight the penalty itself, not by themselves in time. Uh, just the impression I got. Now, unless somebody comes out and outright says it, we don't know that. We just know that they have appealed. Um, the one thing I know, Sharon, when we talked about this on Monday night, talked about the difference of adding to versus modifying one of the supplied parts. And on Race Hub, uh, uh, it was Larry McReynolds talked about it. He said, you make it simple. If you, if you take a regular table, you lay a tablecloth on top of it, you haven't modified the table. You've added to it. However, if you cut a leg off and make it a three-legged table versus a four-legged, you've modified it. So that, going back to that of what the penalty is for, this was for modifying one of the spec parts, not adding to it or something to that effect. It was modifying one of the spec parts. Um, we don't, as far as I know, I've not seen anything specific other than that. As I said, Front Row Motorsports said they'd have no other comment other than they were appealing it. So I really feel like maybe they feel like they didn't or as Brad Keselowski uh, got away with, if you will, or was approved for, there was a reason behind it. I'm not saying that NASCAR is going to overturn it. Yeah, it is very rare, as Tommy mentioned. So we'll have to see. I just don't get the impression they're doing it to buy time. Well, even in the – well, Tommy, you're up next, so I'll wait. <laughs> Go ahead, Tommy. See them overturn it. Um, I highly doubt that we're going to see them do that. Um, it, would, it, would, it would definitely be a surprise the way we've seen it go this year and last year. So, um, yeah, it just stinks for um, Michael McDowell. I mean, it's a huge penalty. It's hurt like it hurt Brad Kay. And um, maybe, you know, we'll see how the the appeal goes, of course. Um, not saying there's not a chance, but highly unlikely. Um, and, yeah, you know, three cars in the top ten for Pocono have now had some sort of issues. So, you know, they're, they're cracking down this year. I mean, they're being serious about these penalties. So um, I guess it's a good thing. Yeah, I definitely think it's a good thing. And, um, <clears throat> uh, and I, I do think that uh, – We'll have to wait and see. Yeah, there's a lot to read into between the lines there, maybe, uh, but maybe not. Uh, you know, there's simply – I know a lot of times NASCAR says that they don't want to say too much uh, when somebody appeals because they want to hear the appeal. They want to go through the appeal process uh, without the kind of input from the, the uh, uh, sidelines, if you will, and uh, they want to give the team their chance to make their case. So we'll see what happens, um, and uh, I'm sure the rest of the story will be told over time here uh, within the next week or so. Usually NASCAR moves on these kind of things fairly, uh, so we'll see see what happens. Uh, but, um, yeah, it's just disappointing when you think a team is doing really well, 
and you find out that they've got a, they've modified a part. Uh, and in the case of Brad Keselowski, I just wanted to kind of clarify there too. Uh, they still got the penalty. Uh, NASCAR did not reverse the penalty uh, for RFK uh, uh, K. What is it now? <laughs> it is RFK. Yeah, you were right uh, the first time. RFK. <laughs> <laughs> uh, they did return. They did uh, not overturn that appeal. Uh, they was, uh, they still. Uh, assess the penalty, but they did change the rule. They did adopt the change that uh, RFK had uh, done in that case. And I think the message there was that you need to bring it to us before you do it. But, of course, a lot of these teams don't want to do that. They want the competitive advantage uh, before anybody else gets it, so they do it this way. So NASCAR, I think, does need to look at that and if that is the case with uh, Front Row Motorsports, uh, with uh, the 34 for Michael McDowell, then they need to they need to look at that because uh, you don't want them cheating for several races uh, before uh, they kind of catch on to the fact that that's happening um, and have that competitive advantage over everybody else. I don't think they should be rewarded for doing that. So, Jay, you get the last word. Well, I think, Sharon, I think you and I are in the same boat here. I think we've conceded penalties for RFK. The tire issue back at Daytona is the one where they're happy with it. They confiscated the wheels but then did make a rule change approving what they had done. The 100-point deduction was for a separate one that they did uphold the full penalty, the 100 points. So, uh, I was in that same boat uh, of thinking it was kind of a combination, but I think it was two separate penalties. Um, the other one, I don't remember what the other one was. Again, NASCAR doesn't necessarily go into the full details, but it had to do with modifying a – that one was one of the panels that had to do with the, the, the That had to do with the lug nut. They had come up with something with regard to the They were drilling wheel holes well. in, the, in the wheels, that's right. Yeah. Yeah, that's the one where they weren't penalized. They confiscated the parts and then approved it. weren't happy that they didn't ask for permission prior to because it was something they felt, hey, this does work and we'll approve for everybody. We don't want somebody getting that, one team getting that advantage and it not being shared because it is something that was across the board. So, you're right. I think they're trying to stress that. Go ahead. Um, I, th- I think you're right in the fact that they're, they're trying to stress that, of, hey, if you want to try something, come to us. And we'll tell you if it's something you found and you, know, you get to keep to yourself or if it's something we're going to put in the rule book um, for everybody or if it's something you better not do at all because we don't want you doing it. Um, mm-hmm. That, you know, come talk to them first, basically. The, the whole ask for forgiveness later versus permission prior uh, isn't going to fly. I mean, and, and they made that quite clear. And the other thing I think you hit on here as we got to Pocono coming up on the playoffs, that pressure to make the playoffs. You know, uh, Front Row Motorsports, as you mentioned, had been on a good run uh, for that team. We're within range of maybe pointing their way in, depending on outcomes, but within striking distance. Still wanting that victory. I mean, the one that's sitting in third wants the victory, to be sure. But they were within striking distance. This, I think, has taken them completely out of striking distance. It is all on a win now. So, uh, again, very hefty penalty. 
and we'll see what happens with the appeal. Uh, that's all I can say. We'll have to wait and see with that. Okay. Uh, Tommy, what's our next hot topic? Um, all right, let's go with uh, – let's see here. Well, let's go with the um, the Indy Road Course track limits. Okay. Uh, yeah, just to kind of give some background on this, uh, NASCAR uh, gave out some track limits for the Indy Road Course. Everybody remember last year there were some issues with that. So they did make a few changes. The Apex Apex. At the apex, all four tires must remain on the racing surface. Apex curbing and or rumble strips are considered as part of the racing surface. This will be officiated as we do the yellow line rule at super speedways. Inside tires completely off the racing surface will be considered a violation. Exits. There are instances where asphalt exits on the non-track side of exit curbing rubble strips or other lines of demarcation. Crossing into these areas will not be viewed as a violation. Number one, NASCAR at its discretion may issue a warning if a competitor is deemed in violation of track limits. Number two, if a track limits violation is called, it will result in a stop-and-go penalty and must be served under green flag conditions in a predetermined area. If the caution comes out before the penalty is served, the competitor will start at the tail of the field on the ensuing restart. Number three, if a track limits violation occurs in the closing laps of a stage and a stop-and-go is not executed under green flag conditions, the competitor will start at the tail of the field at the start of the following stage. Number four, if track limits violation occurs in the closing laps of the race and a stop-and-go is not executed under green flag conditions, a 30-second time penalty will be assessed prior to posting the final race results. If a competitor, number five, if a competitor is forced off course in a racing incident and re-enters the track without cutting a significant section of the track and without advancing his or her position, NASCAR may, in its discretion, forego a penalty. Number six, in an avoidance maneuver, If an avoidance maneuver results in a track limits violation, NASCAR may in its discretion forego penalty and adjust the lineup based on running position prior to the avoidance maneuver. Now, in addition to that, they did make a change, and let me get that information here uh, very quickly. Um, Indianapolis Motor Speedway has put up a in a concrete curb in turn six of the road course. It is essentially the same shape but now concrete. No modifications to turn five. It was there for the IndyCar road course race in May and still, well, at that point they were waiting the track limits, uh, but I just read that off. So, um, again, just so we know what everybody's talking about, uh, Jay, what are your thoughts about the track limits? 
Well, my first my first thought to all that was say what? Um, <laughs> I don't know that we fully understand it. I know you and Mike had a little bit of a conversation there in the chat room of not seeing a picture, not fully understanding it, and unfortunately, as race fans, it might not be until we see it in in action at the track. From my understanding of it. As we see at Daytona or Talladega, there's a painted line. Don't cross it. If you do, it's a penalty. With the turtles, as they called them, I believe, unfortunately, when they crossed over them, they were tearing some cars up. So if you put a painted line there and say don't cross it, if you cross it, we're going to penalize you, it at least doesn't tear the car up. So that aspect of it, I like. What I don't like is I really don't know for sure if that's what it is or understand everything you just read of when they may or may not penalize and that that aspect to it, and I think back to uh, a few weeks ago at Arkham and Arge race with the non-live pit stops. I mean, there were teams that didn't understand what they could and couldn't do. It's unfortunate, and it was very costly to uh, Rev Race and Raja Karuth and uh, Nick Sanchez that the teams, because it's not a it's a new thing, a regular thing, got a little confused, uh, made a mistake. Um, so I'm a little concerned about that as far as. Hopefully the teams understand. I know what they're talking. I understand what they're talking about. Of the curbing is still there. You can have the wheels up on it, but not over it. Putting it as a judgment call in NASCAR's hand is where I don't like it going. But I understand their point of you give drivers an inch, they're going to try and take a mile. Where they don't want you to be, they put the concrete barrier and said, "Don't do that." Uh, and you, if you do, it will cost you because there's a concrete barrier there. So. Have to have faith NASCAR is doing the best thing involved. I just hope drivers and teams and everybody understands it so it's not a confusion issue if they make that mistake. Well, one thing that I am glad to see is NASCAR is making it clear that if they, they're, where they're going to use their judgment, Jay, I think is in those situations where another competitor forces a competitor to go over <laughs> the line. Uh, and NASCAR will look at the individual situation in those cases and then uh, let them know how they're going to uh, proceed from there. Uh, we are at that point of the show, though, that I'm going to interrupt myself. And uh, for our first-time listeners, we like to let people know that we're going to continue this conversation beyond our stop time, which is 10.30 p.m. Eastern Time. That's when we go off the air. But we will continue our conversation as part of our bonus overtime material for our podcast. So what I do is I go out on Twitter uh, as soon as we complete our conversation uh, to let you know that the podcast is available. At that point or any time thereafter, you can go to the player over at fanforacing.com and fast forward to the two-hour mark to hear the rest of the conversation. So we just don't like to let our first-time listeners to be caught off guard and not know how they can listen to the rest of that conversation. Uh, just know that it will be a part of our podcast and you can hear the rest of it. So uh, look for us to go off the air at exactly 10.30 p.m. Eastern Time. Okay, so that part of it I think is why there has to be at NASCAR's discretion is because and we've seen competitors do that. We saw Denny Hamlin do that to Ross Chastain this past weekend. Uh, he forced the situation uh, that caused um, <clears throat> Ross Chastain to hit the wall. So uh, 
that's what they're going to be looking for, and I think they're making it clear that they are looking for that this weekend. Um, so uh, as far the thing that worries me, and like you say, we just don't have enough information at this point, so there's a lot of questions. I would just say to listeners, make sure you tune in for the pre-race uh, this week because that's where they're probably going to explain a lot of this, and they'll have graphics available that will help it help make more sense to everybody. But the concrete curb um, or the truck. Uh, uh, the concrete curb uh, is what kind of uh, confuses me a little bit. I, I'd like to see a picture of that uh, so that I have a better idea of what they're talking about there. Um, it, it's just a curb, but we know what happens when drivers sometimes hit the uh, uh, where the level where the grading uh, begins and the sideline kind of be. Uh, takes over, uh, and it can throw the car off balance and everything. So that's what I think this concrete curb may do for some of these drivers. Uh, but I think they made it concrete in order to prevent them from coming up on that curb. Uh, so that concerns me just a little bit. Uh, but uh, Mike brought up another point that I think is relevant as well. Last year we didn't have the same uh, undersurface that they have on the cars now. Those cars are now sealed pretty much underneath. Uh, it almost looks like a matchbook car. I remember the first time I saw a car and saw the bottom of the car, I don't think I realized that it was going to be that way, but that entire bottom of the car is now pretty much sealed off. So that may make a difference as well, uh, as opposed to last year when we saw a lot of those cars get torn up. So... Uh, it's going to be interesting uh, to see how all of this plays out, but uh, I think NASCAR's uh, doing some things that uh, will improve the racing. Tommy, your thoughts? Yeah, I'm just curious about, um, like you guys were talking about, what happened last year with that um, the turtle, the thing that was just destroying the, uh, the, the car. There were so many wrecks there um, in that one spot. I mean... It kind of delayed the race. I feel like we had to fix the track at one point. So um glad to see that they're going to be doing something about that, hopefully. Um, like you guys said, I'll, ha- I'll have to watch the pre-race show to understand what's actually going on because what she read off, I mean, I heard it, but, I, you know, I don't get it. I guess I'm a visual person. But um, I'm just really hoping that they solved the problem from last year that was causing all those wrecks in that one spot. Like I said, it delayed the race. There was multiple restarts. Uh, I mean, it did make for, you know, a good finish in between Chase Briscoe, Denny Hamlin, and AFA, but um, it just delayed the race for longer than it needed to be. And, uh, hopefully they are going to be resolving that problem with these uh, tractions. Okay. Uh, Jay, your follow-up? Yeah, I think two two of the important things there we all agree on. What happened last year was it was a disaster, and it was unfortunate. I know NASCAR thought they had a good system in play. Somehow or another, these turtles were being dug up with the splitter. Um, the car may have changed with that, as you mentioned, the underside of it being more flat and streamlined this year for aero purposes may affect that. 
So we all kind of got to wait and see, like you said. And, and Tommy, I'm with you. I'm seeing the visual. Uh, I don't know if there's another race hub tomorrow night prior to Friday's pre-race stuff, but I think we will get more information, more detailed and more visual. So I think that'll help those, those of us that really don't understand the whole technical bulletin. My hope is that the, or the drivers and the teams, uh, like I said, understand it. Uh, I'm sure with this, they got a practice session, they'll, they'll get information from that. So I applaud NASCAR for making a change because, uh, again, we didn't want to see what happened last year with these turtles that are coming up or the cars digging them up, whichever way it happened, and causing the wreck and stuff we've seen. And we saw that at the Charlotte Oval, uh, one of the barriers that they had, they, they made an adjustment uh, during race weekend, I believe, because I think that was from practice into the race that they made an adjustment with that barrier. So they're aware of it and making changes as they can, and that is a good thing. I 100% agree with that. Whether or not this is the answer, I don't know that yet because I truthfully don't fully understand it based off of reading it. I'm with Tommy. I want to see it and see how it plays out. Yeah, I, I'm definitely in agreement with that as well. Um, <clears throat> uh, one of the things that Mike also indicates here is wrecks happen, but it feels like a different story when it's a failure of the racing surface that causes them. So hopefully these are things that are going to kind of correct some of the racing surface issues that we saw last year with the turtles. And uh, uh, I'm glad that NASCAR is coming out ahead of time uh, so that everybody, uh, even though it doesn't make sense to us now, uh, I'm pretty sure they'll have some graphics to show us uh, either on Race Hub, as you mentioned, Jay, or in the pre-race show uh, that will help make it more clear, not just for us, but for the drivers as well, because the drivers will need to make sure that they understand this uh, before they race uh, in the course this weekend. And I think it's going to be a bigger issue, actually, for the uh, Xfinity series because they don't have that closed-off bottom uh, that we see in the next-gen seven cars. So that will be something to watch as well. Tommy, you get the final word here. I don't really have a whole lot to add. I just hope that um, the issue is resolved from last year where the splitters were and the bottoms of the car were getting torn up and causing all those wrecks in that one spot. So, um, but like you guys, uh, I'm just all happy to see you to understand what they're talking about. But uh, hopefully that problem is uh, is gone this year. Yes, indeed. Okay, Jay, you get to bring up the next topic. Well, I, I'd apologize because I just put it up there, so you guys may not have had a whole lot of time to look at it. But there's also not a whole lot to look at either. Uh, I saw this on Race Hub last night, and I actually forgot to put it on our hot topics. But RCR is set to make an announcement next Tuesday. The tweet, all it has is Tuesday's date and a picture of a driver's silhouette. Uh, So what do you take from that? Okay, Tommy, have you seen that? Yes, I have, and I've seen the theories because if you look at the silhouette, um, it kind of does look like Kyle Busch, but then again, it could also be Austin Hill. So, um, you know, the the rumors are Austin Hill. Oh, okay. 
yeah, they it kind of looks like it could be either two of them just based off of it. But um, you know, I, I don't I don't know. Uh, it would be crazy to hear them. What if what if there was like a trade or something that actually just went down where like Tyler Reddick gets in a Toyota and Kyle Busch gets in a Chevy and that trade happened behind the scenes and they're about to reveal it or something. Uh, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, it did kind of look like Kyle Busch, but it kind of did look like Austin Hill. You know, people are saying, oh, they're going to announce a third car for next year or something like that. Like, uh, the rumors are out there flying. Um, I'm just excited to see what it is. So, um, maybe, you know, maybe it's Austin Hill's going to run a few races um, this year or something or, you know, next year maybe. Or uh, maybe it's, like I said, maybe it's actually Kyle Busch, which would be crazy. But uh, I guess we'll have to see, but I'm excited. But I did see that tweet. And, um, yeah, can't wait for uh, Tuesday. Yeah, it's going to be interesting because I'll add a third driver who I've seen mentioned uh, is Ryan Newman. Uh, It would be great. It would be interesting to see if Ryan Newman comes back to RCR. Uh, So we'll have to wait and see what happens. But uh, I think it would be huge, huge, huge news if it ends up being uh, Kyle Busch. I'm not saying it's out of the realm of possibility, uh, but I think it would be incredibly huge if it ends up being Kyle Busch. And given the comments that have been made more recently that it's looking less likely uh, that he's going to be at JGR next season, uh, I think that uh, the ripple effect of that uh, announcement coming so quickly uh, before the season is over would be really amazing. I, I would anticipate if a Kyle Bush announcement uh, would happen maybe at the end of the season, but honestly, anything can happen right now. Um, so we'll, we'll see what happens. I think the most likely scenario um, is going to be Austin Hill uh coming back into or advancing into RCR and I think he would be a good addition to RCR. So we'll we'll see what happens. Um uh, I've seen I've seen those rumors about Kyle Bush. It does look like it could be him. Uh but I think it also looks like it could be Ryan Newman. Uh the likelihood of Ryan Newman coming back NASCAR at RCR I think is is not as likely but it's certainly possible so we'll have to wait and see Jay what are your thoughts or have you heard of a well, fourth he, driver possibility no uh, I'll stick with what we've heard so far well within reason I know like Tommy said there's a lot of rumors out there the start with uh, the one uh, with Ryan Newman I think that was kind of a, a joke thing I know he has talked about wanting to return to the Cup Series, um, especially after doing so well with the SRX. He, he said, though, the, the phone isn't ringing. Um, Kyle Busch going over there, that one is intriguing. I don't know would have been this soon, but I did read an article about Chevrolet really wanting him as they want his truck team with him um, to make a bigger uh, championship contender in the Truck Series. So there is that possibility. Uh, I don't think that's the highest um, likelihood. I'm with you guys with the fact that Tyler Reddick announced he'd be leaving in two years now um, for 2024 season to go to Toyota. 
uh, a replacement for him, starting with, as Tommy mentioned, maybe part-time driving and then full-time in 2024, and that would most likely be Austin Hill. Um, I wouldn't say that's a definite, but so far between him and Sheldon Creed, we've seen more out of Austin Hill. So I think that's the most likely scenario. Um, there, there is so many other completely out of the out of the blue possibilities. You talk about can it happen? We have a driver who got their first victory in the Cup Series, and then a week later announced he was going to another team. <laughs> so you never know. <laughs> Exactly right. You never know. Uh, any of those possibilities are possible. Tommy, your follow-up? Yeah, I did see Ryan Newman, too, but I think that one's more so wishful thinking. And uh, the Kyle Bush one does seem far-fetched because Austin Hill one makes sense where they would just let him run a few races this year or next year and then go through common on the Tyler Reddick um, place. But you know, you never know, and I've got to say that that photo, it does resemble Kyle Bush, but it also resembles Austin Hill. So I don't know who it's going to be, but I feel like it's going to be one of those two. Um, but, yeah, it, it, it's going to be interesting. It's, it's just crazy to think that Kyle Bush is a freak that he hasn't re-signed with uh, James um, I mean... It would be it would it would be cool if he actually came. It would take things up and whatever team he goes to, you know, I don't think you're rolling. I think that that team gets to win next year if not more. Um, he's he's one of those talents um, like Kyle Larson and uh, well, you know, he's got way more with Kyle Larson. He's one of the most sought after drivers. So um, possibly. Well, I'll tell you what. I think the best thing to do is to wait until next Tuesday when RCR makes their announcement. We'll find out exactly what's going to happen. Uh, we can speculate uh, till the cows come home, but uh, we really don't know until they make that announcement. So uh, I'd watch for more leaks to kind of come out, and I don't mean leaks, but uh, people saying that they've confirmed or whatever. Um or that they talked to somebody who said it's going to be. Uh, I'd be careful of, of what you see there, but I do think that they'll probably leak some more information. Uh, they've given us a silhouette at this point, uh, and we'll probably see that silhouette <clears throat> throughout the weekend. But uh, I would watch for more information to be coming out on this uh, through the media uh, because they'll have a chance to talk with RCR over the weekend and we'll see how tight-lipped they are about it. Uh, but I, I bet we'll probably catch some more glimmers of what might be. But uh, Tuesday, my best bet is on Tuesday. Uh, stay tuned to the uh, uh, social media feeds because uh, I'm sure the announcement will come out that way for sure. Jay, are you on mute? I hope we didn't lose him. No, no, that was me. I was on mute. Um, I was, okay. I was actually on Twitter and scrolling through. You see a lot of the overlaps. Um, I don't think the Kyle Busch one quite fits in the silhouette. Austin Hills does really line up. Uh, Ryan Newman, I think Newman has a more distinct figure. Uh, I say I know that one was brought up. Um, 
the one uh, I said I wouldn't talk about all the wild ones, Cole Custer was one I did see in throughout that. Um, I know there's been some little bit of scuttle talk about that. So that one is still a possibility. And then I like the one of Mr. Clean in there as a sponsor. Um, that one's interesting. So, yeah, there is a lot of uh, unknown there. Uh, I think we all agree Austin Hill um, certainly does seem to be the most logical and fit into everything. The, the others are not out of the realm of possibilities. Um, hey, you don't know what? Do we have a picture of Mike? Does a picture of Mike fit in that? I'm just asking. <laughs> No. <laughs> I don't think it's Mike. <laughs> uh, I I think I think he's still paying for the wall he knocked down in Birmingham, so uh, I don't know if he's ready to go cup driving yet. But no, uh, the Austin Hill, like I said, that really does make sense. Now the question becomes, uh, as I was seeing some of that, with Kurt Busch having some issues this year, um, possibly having to call it quits. I know we. we they said that he has a contract through 2023, but he is going to miss his second race in a row uh, this weekend, that there is a possibility of things maybe advancing. We've seen this in the past. Normally it's for the latter part of a season, not a whole year, but uh, Tyler Reddick moving over there a year early if Kurt Busch retires, and thus that being happening next year. We'll have to wait and see with that. As you said, as you said, Sharon, we're just gonna have to wait till Tuesday. Uh, Andy Petrie was on Race Hub when this when I first saw this, and he was tight-lipped. He said Tuesday. <laughs> That's all he said. Tuesday. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think Cole Custer is a, uh, an interesting one. Uh, Tommy, did you have anything? Well, I guess we went through our our follow-ups, but Cole Custer is an interesting one because I've seen the rumors about him too. Uh, they're talking about Cole Custer leaving uh, for to make room for Kurt, Kyle Busch so, at Stuart Haas Racing. So I think it would be really wild for Kyle Busch to go over to Ford. But, but I think he'd have to change his uh, Kyle Busch Motorsports uh, over to Ford at the same time. I think it's more likely he would go to Chevy. Uh, or Chevy, I, I would imagine both of those manufacturers want him. Uh, there's no doubt about that, but we'll see what happens. Um, I guess we're back to you, Tommy, for our next hot topic. Okay, well, let's go with this one that Mike posted. Um, it was a Reddit post. It's um, from July 25th is when he posted it. It says something about Gene Haas um, at Pocono. Uh, over the weekend, he said the most likely landing spot would be the 41 car for Kyle Busch, not the 10. And that um, there are two guaranteed charters, three potentially available to buy, and that Dale Jr., Denny Hamlin, and Matt Calling were among the three people calling for them. Okay. <clears throat> yeah, Jay, your thoughts about that? Well, this one, again, uh, there's so many things within that one uh, one statement of Gene Haas being there. Um, the um, charters that are available and who's going after them. Uh, start with Gene Haas being at the track. Uh, there again, I think maybe a lot's being read into that. I realize he doesn't spend a lot of time at the track, um, but 
just the timing of it, uh, yeah, it's kind of coincidental. I don't know that he was there to um, to campaign or talk to Kyle Bush directly. We know that he has talked, Kyle Bush has talked to Stuart Haas Racing. So it's certainly interesting to look at. When it comes to the the charters, uh, uh, you know, I know Mike said there's only three available. Uh, if you have the money, I know there was a thing about Rodney Childress, if he won the $1.2 billion, um, you know, if you have the money, any charter is available. You know, I think, uh, I think Hendrick Motorsports would sell out for a price. That's just my belief. Maybe not. Um, it'd be a high price. I'll tell you that, but so we'll have to see. I, I certainly looking forward to the silly season when it comes to the charters, because I do think there's going to be some changes yet here prior to the end of the year, uh, whether it be partnerships, uh, combination deals, whatever it comes down to. I think there is going to be some changes in the charters, um, before the end of the year. Uh, we've we've heard a lot of talk about junior motorsports. I know Denny Hamlin has expressed interest in that, and it, you know we've tied that to a couple different conversations. I don't know that that's going to be next year though. Uh, junior motorsports specifically said uh, that they don't know that they're ready to do anything until 2024, especially how late in the season it is. So we'll have to wait and see with that. Um, but there are some interesting things there. And as we've seen, uh, I think back to the, I think the biggest thing in NASCAR that dropped out of nowhere for me, there were two. Matt Kenseth, when he left Ford to go to Toyota, was a mid-season was the announcement. That was a big bombshell. And when Stuart Haas Racing went from Chevy to Ford, that was a pretty tight-lipped come out of nowhere to me. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't know that we're going to see anything like that, um, but it's still possible. You never know. We know Kyle Busch is looking. So we're at least open to that possibility. Um, do we think it's going to be with uh, you know, a Ford or a Chevy? That's maybe not so much. Um, so like I said, there could still be a complete bombshell. Um, others are just kind of the possibility exists. Yes. Uh, just to be clear on where this is coming from, it's from a Door Bumper Clear podcast. Uh, and Brett Griffin is the one who mentioned that there are going to be two guaranteed charters, potentially three available to buy, and that it was Dale Jr., Denny Hamlin, and Matt Colling, uh are the three people that are going for those three charters. Uh, but they also mentioned in that podcast uh, at the 53:30 mark that Gene Hawes was at Pocono this past weekend, uh, and that seems to be the 41 is the most likely uh landing spot for Kyle Busch versus the number 10. Um, The number 10, I'm thinking uh, Ryan Priest, I think, is on contract, uh, Stuart Haas Racing as well. So I look for Ryan Priest to be one of those drivers, uh, possibly taking the number 10. Uh, I thought it was a surprise, though, that they would be letting uh, Cole Custer go from the number 41. His dad... Uh, of course, is uh, he is an executive uh, with Haas uh, CNC, and uh, I did not think that they would let him go. But uh, they may have gone into this with saying, you know, you've got uh, this much time to kind of make your mark. And he has not performed as well as we expected in that number 41 car. So, um We'll have to see what happens. It might be a good thing for Cole Custer to go somewhere else uh, and to race 
with another organization. And I don't think it's that far-fetched that, uh, well, we'll have to wait and see what happens. Uh, But, uh, yeah, this is is an interesting one. And you're right about the charters. Uh, I look for them to be making changes there, too. When, I don't know exactly, but uh, I would be watching for, for news on that front. Uh, Tommy, what are your thoughts? There's a lot going on with this one, but, um, you know, Kyle Bush is a, I mean, he's a free agent and he's not signed. I mean, everybody thinks he's going to re-sign with Joe Grayson, but yeah, I don't know. I will say for Cole Custer, though, that um, he did have a win his rookie, and he did win rookie of the year. He won a Kentucky. Um, but after that, he kind of just fell off. But when he does run in the Xfinity series, no matter what car it is, I think he usually hops in, like, the zero seven car. Um, I think he ran, like, two or three races this year. I'm pretty sure he's won one or two of the races that he's ran. So, yeah, maybe going back to the trucker Xfinity I mean, I don't – I don't want to, you know, really knock Riley Hurst, but, uh, you know, Storehouse can put him right back in that 98 car, and I bet that 98 car does better than it does now. Um, that's just my opinion, but uh, he does, you know, his back with Haas, so it would make sense if they're going to get to the cold custer to put him in the Xfinity car, but you know, I, I, I don't know. Or they could probably put him in a, a truck with three. And then, like you said, it means the question of where it's going to go. But what I'm actually thinking is that if there's two or three charters for sale, you know, who are those charters? Is it Spire? Or are they trying to sell one? Um, is Stuart Haas trying to downgrade? You know, if they swing Kyle Bush or the roller retires and they want to get rid of Cole Custer, they could go to the three parties from Harvick Bush and um, and I mean, pretty bag on silent, so there's just so many options going on there. And it is Reddit, so take it for what on how you know forceful it is or her screw. But um just a lot to think about with that one. Where's Cole Custer gonna go? Is Kyle Bush gonna for Haas racing? You know, Eric Amarola right on creek Junior trying to get back in the sport. I mean a lot going on with that one. Yes, indeed. <laughs> uh, Jay, your follow-up? Okay, make, sure I think I'm off, he might... make sure I'm off mute this time. Uh, yeah, there are a lot of uh, certainly possibilities. Uh, like I said, I think there's going to be some interesting things happen yet with the charters. The driver change, when, when it comes to Cole Custer, I know that's one, and, and you both said it, um, you know, we all have individual expectations as well as I'm sure the drivers and teams do. I don't believe he has, and I don't know why. Part of it, and I know Mike and I frequently have this conversation, is it the driver, though? I mean, Stuart Haas Racing hasn't exactly been setting the world on fire, to True. include Kevin Harvick, who is not in the playoffs. Yes, he is running better than Custer, but he's a more experienced driver as well. So, um I understand, you know, especially when it comes to sponsors, whether it be family members or not, you know, you've got to deliver results. Um, so I can see where Cole Custer is on the hot seat and it's being discussed. 
but I'm not sure it's all a driver issue. Um, you know, I, I think about it, sometimes the team just doesn't match up. I just read something about Kyle Busch talking about when he was with Hendrick Motorsports. I mean, and he was winning there, but he just didn't fit into the organization. So, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, there's always that possibility that it is truly a mutual decision. I, Sharon, you said it, you know, sometimes it is better to get a fresh start somewhere else. So uh, there again, the, the possibility is there. Uh, we'll have to see what happens. I know that one's not a strong. It's only been as of late that, that his name has kind of come up as far as that possibility. But wh- when the smoke starts, you know, it's coming from somewhere. Yeah, let's let's just be real clear. We're all speculating here. We have no inside knowledge. Uh, and we're taking it from uh, the podcast uh, Door Bumper Clear and the comments from Brett Griffin. So, uh, again, we'll have to kind of wait and see what happens. Uh, but I think the scenario that uh, Tommy brought up is kind of an interesting scenario as well where maybe Cole Custer goes back to the uh, uh, Xfinity series, although I do think Riley Earps has been doing a lot better of recent. Um, I I don't know. uh, He still doesn't have that victory, and I know that they want to have wins. But you're right, Jay. I think the bigger question is, is it really the driver or is it a problem at RCR, uh, not RCR, but uh, Stuart Austin? racing because as an organization they have underperformed uh there's nobody there that's really performing and getting wins this season and uh uh that's unlike Stuart Haas racing so uh again we'll have to kind of wait and see how this transpires uh again we can speculate till the cows come home but we really won't know until they make an announcement but it is an interesting uh, scenario to kind of think about and uh, kind of anticipate uh, something happening at some point in the future. So, Tommy, you get the last word here, and then we'll do our roundtable. Yeah, I don't really have much to add. Uh, just so many possibilities to think about with that one, and uh, I'm, I'm excited to see how it plays out. Um, I feel like every year, um, silly season gets, you know, even crazier, and this year with Kyle Busch, it certainly feels like there's going to be a, um, a crazier offseason than you. Yes, indeed. Okay, Tommy, let's start with you for our roundtable. Uh, you can follow me at, at Since95Fan on Twitter. Uh, give me a follow. Um, you'll see some of my cool diecasts. I've been posting the day's day with them. Um, try to every day. I missed a week there. I was on vacation in New Orleans a couple weeks ago. But um, other than that, check them out. Okay. Uh, Jay? Uh, you can follow me on Facebook, uh, Michael Hoosman, Mopar MJ 8 on Twitter and Instagram. And Rain out pushed it back a couple of weeks, but we're going to take a second shot at the second annual Hot Shot Shootout at Jackson Motor Speedway this weekend, your capital city raceway. So if you got a four- or six-cylinder or want to see some great racing between four- and six-cylinders, come on out to Jackson Motor Speedway. Okay. 
Uh, if you uh, haven't listened to our preview show during the first 90 minutes of our show here tonight, uh, that certainly is available as we preview the racing at Indianapolis Motor Speedway. Uh, we also had some uh, pre-race audio from Chase uh, Elliott, and actually it turned out to be more post-race because there was a lot of conversation there about what happened last week at Pocono, and you get to hear Chase Elliott's thoughts directly about that. So uh, if you haven't heard it, uh, go ahead and tune in to that second half hour to hear uh, that conversation. Okay, um, I am Fan for Racing site on Twitter, Fan for Racing blog and radio everywhere else, including fanforacing.com where we have a player for our uh, podcast after our live broadcast here at Fanfa Racing Radio. Uh, again, for those uh, first-time listeners, they just uh, fat, fast forward to the two-hour mark to hear the rest of our conversation during this last half hour. And then um, uh, we will be back on Monday night uh, to do our review of the racing at Indianapolis, both at Lucas Oil in, uh, Indianapolis Raceway Park and then also at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway Road Course uh, this weekend. So lots of racing uh, for the weekend, and I'm sure we're all looking forward to it. Uh, big shout-out to our Fan for Racing crew for being here tonight, including Jay Huseman and uh, Tommy Kraft. Uh, we missed you, uh, Brian Everly. We hope you can come on at some future point, and uh, we'll kind of take it from there. But uh, uh, thanks, everybody, for tuning in, and we'll look forward to talking to you on the other side. I think we're ready to call it a wrap, guys. All right. Good night. We'll see you Monday, or talk to you Monday. Good night, everybody. <laughs>